Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The return of the boom is a headline that makes this morning's independent. And so much of it is so familiar, isn't it? Ireland's economy booming this year. It'll boom next year. It'll boom the year after. Who knows how long this boom will continue. One thing that usually happens after a boom is a bust. But it's the front page of the independent today. In fact, um, as you know, one hand is the boom. The other hand is the consequences of a boom. And that means one thing. Mortgage lending is back to boom levels, uh, and the mail this morning picks up on that in their front pages. So mortgages, boom levels, uh, banks lending, lending, lending. Um, and of course, going with that then means that there's an automatic property price increase and it will continue to soar according to the mail today. Property prices set to soar even higher and it will lead, as it happens in boom times, to more and more bidding wars in the property market. So um, I don't know what to make of all of that sometimes. Well, it's good to hear that more businesses are opening and they're talking about something in the region of uh, 165, 170 jobs to be created uh, in the in the coming months alone. Sorry, 167,000 jobs in one of the papers today, I should say. Um, it's, it's astonishing actually uh, the amount of text that I got in response to the bit we did on Russia yesterday, whether it's what's happening in the Ukraine or I suppose closer to home off the west coast uh, of Ireland. So more than 20 Irish trawlers will set sail uh, to protest um, amid the Russian Navy in the sense that they'll be right out there with them when they're off the West Cork coast. There'll be live fire exercises out there, so the trawlers need to be careful. Although they have said uh, that if we're told we're in the way, Uh, With our protest, we will not leave, according to uh, some of the, well, the protesters, a guy called Patrick Murphy. This is a fleet of Irish fishing boats preparing to head to sea to protest. So it's interesting, and then the front page of this morning, Star calls it, Who do you think you're codding, Mr. Putin? As in, who do you think you're codding, Mr. Putin? Actually, I prefer the original myself. Kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on the run. We are the boys who will stop your little game. We are the boys who will make you think again. So who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on I don't know. Maybe you know the series. If you don't, you need to watch it. Maybe it's just been gone to the, uh, you know, the, the the bottom drawer where they file away reels of stuff and dusty reels that nobody else wants to watch. But I thought it was one of the greatest series of all time. Dad's Army. Uh, anyway, back to stuff in the papers today. You know, we were talking yesterday about employees who can apply to work from home. It doesn't mean that they would be automatically given the right to work from home from their employer. And the mail this morning gives some of the reasons why you might be refused if, for instance, you asked to be able to work remotely. Could be to do with the nature of the work. It mightn't just be able to be done remotely. We kind of get that, particularly if you're involved in building or making things. Um, If it affected the quality of your work, if it affected your performance, that you wouldn't be performing as well, say for instance in the workplace. There's lots of them actually. There's at least, I think there could be at least a dozen if not more. Um, They also talk about the protection of confidentiality of intellectual property of the businesses. Also, one of the ones that could knock you back is that your workplace at home, you know, mightn't be safe, mightn't be suitable with regards to health and safety grounds. Also, I don't know why this would matter, because if you're working from home, why does it matter how far you are from work if you're not going in there? But one of the reasons it could be knocked back is you're too far from the workplace. Why would that matter? Unless you were in Tenerife, I suppose. Uh, Or maybe, you know... um, 
uh, working remotely from Barcelona. But papers also, you know, when we talk of the, the highs and the lows of COVID, one of the big lows was a television broadcast that attracted the most views of a Taoiseach on television ever. Well, they call it the most watched speech ever of a Taoiseach in crisis. So much of the real crises for our Taoiseachs, there never was any television. But for the times that there was, apparently 1.6 million people watched Leo deliver the address. That would have been the one um, from Washington, you might recall it, the St. Patrick's Day address when we went into complete and utter shutdown. So 1.6 million watched that. And weirdly, knowing that we were going to get good news uh, last Friday, because we were expecting it and we were told it was leaked in advance. Less people watched Michal Martin's address to the nation on Friday night. 1.6 watched Leo give us bad news and 1.3 watched Michal Martin give us good news. So that's an interesting comparison numbers wise. But the phones are hopping right across Cork, right across Munster. And the examiner this morning says that hospitality has fired up again. They're back roaring. Those that were short of stock or ran out of beer our bottles are stocked up again. Phones are hopping. Hospitality sector fires up again. You heard of that very tragic death, that tragic death of a little toddler down in Skibbereen. That makes the papers this morning died after he was struck by a car in the driveway of a private dwelling. And our thoughts with the family, it's absolutely awful. Um, and lots of other stories regarding children making the papers today, particularly the amount of children in Ireland who are waiting therapies and treatments. Like, for instance, some examples of that from the Echo. 18,000 children in Cork and Kerry are awaiting uh, therapies. Almost 100,000 children are awaiting a broad range of therapies right across the country. One example of that, for instance, is 33,000 children who are awaiting speech and language therapy alone. And over 20% of those are living in the Cork and Kerry area. And other related stories, a lot of the papers picked up on our uh, on-air story yesterday of Stephen Lynch and his wife Vicky, uh, who he described as an absolute warrior, uh, gave birth at the Sarsfield Road roundabout gave birth to Connor at £6.13. ounces. She delivered Connor herself, and the papers pick up on it today, and there's a great photograph uh, of the happy family, all four of them, because they already have a son, Rian. A uh, lovely photograph of the family, big smiley faces on them all, except for little baby Connor, who's having a bit of a snooze on the inside pages of the Echo today. You know, with regards to litter louts and those that do illegal dumping and fly tipping, they may well use drones now. I don't know whether people are going to push back with regards to GDPR and privacy and things like that, but drones used to target rub, target rubbish citizens who illegally dump their trash. It's a real American world is, word, isn't it? Sun today. Um, there's a bill now going before the Senate, which will how will the drone work? Well, it, well, it's not really watching the people dumping the rubbish and running away or anything. It, it has to do with the drone being able to pick up number plate recognition um, to be able to follow up on the litter outs and to find them and to prosecute them and what have you. And um, if you like your art and you like hanging it on a wall, then you're turning into a bit of a dinosaur because the latest thing now, and I have no idea why people want to do this, it's called non, non-fungible tokens. But forget about that. What it really is, is you don't buy the item, you buy a digital image of it, like a photograph of it. If you like, almost like a photocopy and you bid for something like an example of that would be Julian Lennon, who's selling selling knickknacks now, belong to the Beatles, particularly his dad. He's selling his dad's cape that was worn in the film Help. He's selling the notes to the lyrics of Hey Jude. But you don't get the physical copy of it. You just get a digital image. And they figure that Hey Jude 
uh, will start, the bidding will start at $30,000. And they figure that it will reach at least double that. So somebody will pay $60,000 for a digital copy, like something you'd look at on your phone of the lyrics of Hey Jude. I mean, give me a break. Um, and, you know, you hear of bizarre stories making the court reports. There's one very bizarre one makes the echo today. Two neighbours, right? I don't know whether it's over a hedge or a wall or whatever the case may be, but both of them in court. Um, and one of them apparently splashed water on the neighbour from the garden hose. Um, and then that resulted in the man with the hose being prosecuted, wait for it, being prosecuted for assault. It was in court yesterday and defence solicitor Frank Buttermer had to uh, be up on his feet and work quite hard to explain to the judge what was going on. He did a good job of it, Mr. Buttermer, but apparently he said the neighbour felt a splash of water on his head and then he felt a a second splash and he saw the other guy the other side, holding a garden hose at his hedge. Now, Frank Buttermer said, now it wasn't a power hose, Your Honour. Because the judge asked, it depends on what kind of a hose it was, but it wasn't a power hose. And he says that his client may have hit him with some water. But if he did so, it was accidental. Now, all of this ended up with an assault charge in court, right? He said that his client acknowledged that there was some animus between the parties previously, but it was only a few droplets of water, a few droplets of spray, if you like. So the judge, having listened to it all, gave the defendant the benefit of a dismissal under the Probation of Offenders Act, and he said there's no conviction recorded against him. I <laughs> I just don't get it sometimes. It's a bit like the story with these old phrases that they want to get rid of. Um, and there's a list of them making the papers today and uh, Alana mentioned one or two. So they figure that, you know, all of these old sayings, they call them granny, grannyisms, I suppose. They're all as dead as a doornail now. And nobody's using them anymore, as the fella says. A nod is as good as a wink. Uh, don't get your knickers in a twist. Um, it's a storm in a teacup. Uh, that puts a sock in it, if you pardon my French. Ah, go away out that now, doesn't that take the biscuit? All these fabulous sayings. Many of them, of course, you'd have heard um, on, on television. Uh, with, I'll come back to that in a few minutes with regards to the television section to it. But flogging a dead horse. Um, ah, he's gone. He popped his clogs. Um, one of the interesting ones actually is a few sandwiches short of a picnic. And we all know that one. Uh, mentioned another few earlier on this morning, like a load of cods wallop. Ah, your man couldn't organise a pee up in a brewery. It's probably okay to drop the P-I-S-S word. How many people use the term, oh my God, it's as cold as a witch's? You don't know the next word. You're going to have to Google it for yourself. He knows his onions, that fella. Um, And there's just loads and loads of them all making the papers today. I hope they never go away because I absolutely love it. Apart from the odd time that I drop a clanger. The Neil Prenderville Show. With free click and collect from Tesco. Now available at your local store. Book today at tesco.ie. Lines are open. You can text 0868104106 and our phone lines are open as well. Brand new phone number 0818104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106. Just before I get serious, I'd love to hear if I'm missing out any grannyisms or phrases. You could text them if I'm missing them. Text your own favourite one. Text 0868104106. I'll go away for a while. I have to see a man about a dog. Got a new watch yesterday. Got it off the back of a lorry. (laughs) 
I mean, there's so many of them, and they're just fabulous. Um, like, be there or be square. I mean, that's not cool or groovy anymore. It's kind of a bit kind of mortifying, but they modernized that one from be there to be, be there or be square to be there or be cubic. You might well be living in a house where there's not enough room to swing a cat. I just love them. And a job den. Oh my God. Did you do that? You made an absolute dog's dinner of it. <laughs> You're jumping back in again. Have you more of them? <laughs> No, I don't, but I really enjoy them. I have I to say, they're very it, funny. I love it. It's like, did you ever see Line of Duty yeah. with Inspector Ted? <laughs> the donkey. <laughs> he said, lad, do you think I came down the lagging in a bubble? Or down the river on a bicycle. <laughs> I remember saying that at home one day, actually, and the lads kind of looked at me Do they know what going, you're talking about? They just think it's very uncool, Neil, but they think I'm very uncool anyway. So, oh, my you know. God, they're just, it's just a storm in a teacup. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on all day. It's a bottle of smoke, Neil. Would you move on? <laughs> right. Okay, go on now. Get on with your work and don't make a hames of it. <laughs> I'll try not. <laughs> we got to stop meeting like this. Anyway, guys, text your own ones. Text 0868104106 and we'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. We'll have a bit of a laugh because there's many, I'm sure, that I've missed. Okay, um, let me get serious because I know I've been talking from time to time about the amount of knife assault uh, that we're hearing on Lee side. It continues to rise. In fact, it might be fair to say that a day hasn't passed recently when I haven't mentioned a knife crime on Lee side. Paul Byrne for Virgin Media News uh, is across another incident that happened uh, last night out in the Blackpool area, John Redmond Street, I believe, and he joins me. He joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. What can you tell us about this young man? Multiple stab wounds, I believe. That's right. Uh, we're talking around nine o'clock last night. Uh, this guy, I understand, wasn't actually the tenant of this apartment. We were talking on John Redmond Street, which is uh, off Christie Ring Bridge, up off Mulgrave Road. Um, this 18-year-old was in the apartment on John Redmond Street. And my understanding is that four to five guys forced their way into the house. They were all masked up. When I say masked up, as in balaclavas. And one of them um, definitely had a knife. This young fellow sustained up to eight stab wounds. It's a miracle that he has survived the attack. Uh, the, the injuries were severe, but not in life-threatening. Now, the alarm was raised and the emergency services rushed to the scene. They carried out, um, you know, the, the necessary uh, repair work, as it were, on this victim at the scene before he was taken to Cork University Hospital. But according to uh, a guard, the source I spoke with, this is round two of an ongoing incident. This follows an incident in the city centre earlier in the week where there was a, an attack and uh, these four to five people last night decided to carry out a, a revenge and, uh, as I said, kicked in the door of this apartment at John Redmond Street last night. Um, he, as you say, he, he wasn't the tenant of the house. Indeed, the tenant wasn't even there, no? That's what I believe. The, the tenant was out at the time and this guy was minding two dogs um, in, the, in, in the apartment. Now, one of the dogs actually ran out of the apartment and was later recovered but the guys who broke into the apartment last night and carried out the assault actually stole the dog and my understanding is that this dog is about 15 to 6 weeks old it's an American uh, bully and someone was telling me last night um, I actually spoke with the tenant of the, the property Did and you? he tells me that the dog is worth anything up to 3,000 euro really? Um, you know, I think this was a, 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 a lesson. They were trying to send this guy a lesson last night that you attack us, we'll attack you, and, and how, we'll take your dog. Yeah, and how will the guards um, get across the line on this if they were wearing balaclavas? Um, were they relying on the public for information or what? 
Well, I know that guards are def- following a definite line of inquiry, but a lot of this would have to do with forensics. It'll also have to do with how cooperative the, the victim is in the case. He may... Um, tell the guards everything that happened he may not want to make a statement yeah. but uh, you know the guards are confident they know the identity of the people who carried out the attack as I said it was round, It was described as round two mm. so they know who was involved in round one and they presume that the same people were involved in what happened last night Okay, and the, the young lad who received those eight stab wounds, 18 years old I believe yeah? 18 years of age, um, as I said, minding the, the two dogs for the tenant. But I was talking to a, a guard yesterday, actually, prior to this incident, and she, she said, you know, she was talking about knife crime, and it just goes to show that people aren't afraid. Like, first of all, they're not afraid to carry knives, and they're not afraid to use them. And also she said that the honeymoon period um, for guards right now and uh, an incidents is over because the 8 o'clock closing has been done away yeah, with. Yeah, she's right. And they expect to see a lot more incidents in the next couple of weeks and months ahead because people will be out making up for lost time and, you know, just downing points and uh, things will spiral out of control. And unfortunately, she was saying, you know, it's only a matter of time before we have a, another um, murder victim on and our hands. Do they have a concern, the Guardi? Are they telling you that they're concerned about the amount of knife assault crimes on the rise on Leaside? Uh, speaking to people, they are extremely concerned. I mean, if it's not a knife, it's a screwdriver. People are carrying weapons. Um, you will have seen in, in, in some of the court reports recently from Liam Healan, guys who were stopped on the street. One guy gave an excuse that he was carrying our peeling potatoes earlier in the morning. Somebody called to the door, he put the knife in his pocket and they forgot it was there. Another said he carries it around and he wanted to go fishing. These are just excuses. Another fellow says he was cutting steak. And uh, and others then say in evidence in court that they carry knives just for their own protection. Yeah, because look, if a guy is, you know, if if, just say for Agnesy, he owes a few bob to a, a, a drug dealer, he knows he could be under threat and he'll carry a knife or some sort of weapon to protect himself. And if he doesn't have a weapon and there's something nearby, if he is attacked, he'll pick up whatever he can to defend, defend himself. You know, they're not afraid to use anything to, to save themselves. Our um, culprits aren't afraid to use a knife if they want to carry out an attack on someone. And also, um, do they have any concern? I don't think the guards would even comment on this, but you know, you hear of suspended sentences for people with possession of a knife. Really, that's not good enough anymore. I mean, there are places where you just automatically go to jail if you're stopped by a guard with a knife. Look look at the American justice system. Look at the American TV programs any night. I mean, if you... Like, I know I've been flipping here, but if you cross a double yellow line, like you're, you're going away. I mean, the justice system over there is tough. The guards can't do anything about it here. Sometimes people blame the judges, you know, but this, it's, it's the legislation. Just remember this, people must realise it's the legislation, it's the Minister for Justice, it's the government in power at the time. Mm. These are the people responsible for allowing people, I suppose, to walk away with suspended sentences. They must get tough, tougher laws must be put in place. But Paul, aren't our our jails full? Bursting at the seams. Bursting at the seams morning and night. And you can go in for a TV licence. You know, people are jailed for TV having no TV licence. And but they're going. The jail is full. Your man is booked in through the system, and he, he or she is out again within yeah. the space of a yeah. couple of hours. And there's a lot of people out in temporary release as well, just to to free up spaces in the prison. We don't have enough space. 
Um, I know the old Cork prison was closed and the new one rebuilt, but uh, my understanding is there that there's not a night goes by when that again isn't bursting. Full as people well. People aren't yeah. on mattresses. And just very, fi- mattresses even. And just very finally yeah. then, of course, the Gardaí are unarmed. There's also a concern for them that they could be coming up against somebody, okay, might be a gun sometimes or whatever, but it'd be a concealed weapon like a knife that could be pulled on them. Yeah, and they, 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 you know, they have the stab vests. But, I mean, there's nothing to say that a, a guy won't pull a knife and put one to a guard's throat. I mean, th- these men and women in uniform go out day, day after day. They put their lives on the line. And sometimes when they bring a culprit before the courts, unfortunately, they guards just get a kick in the teeth when the man or woman will walk away with a suspended sentence Mm. and you know nine times out of ten when they're out on a suspended sentence nine times out of ten when they're out on bail they carry out other crimes because they know Mm. if they're on bail they're going away what's the harm we'll carry out some other crimes you know sometimes they go in um, and they'll plead guilty to five or six crimes and you know the fact that they make an early plea it helps. It's a mitigating factor. Yeah. It helps them to get either a reduced or a suspended sentence. Okay, so back to where we came in then. The Guardi are following a different line of inquiry in this one, but they're also looking for that very expensive puppy, I believe, and they're asking the public for their help on that one, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I actually have a, a photograph of the puppy. I, I'll send it to you there if you want to put it up in your Twitter account. Cheers. And the guards in Mayfield are uh, investigating um, the theft of the dog and also the stabbing on this uh, teenager last evening. Okay, thanks, Paul. I'll let you get on. Paul Byrne, uh, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. Straight away, a text came in, saw a fight. I saw one of the fights you mentioned recently, Neil. I saw it on Oliver Plunkett Street. Um, you mentioned one on Oliver Plunkett Street. I actually saw one on Winthrop Street outside McDonald's. It was a bunch of teens who hopped onto a young fella and started hitting him, at least 10 or 15 of them on one. Imagine that, a group of 10 and 15 um, beating up one fella. Um, A group of adults circled him and brought him into McDonald's uh, where they were. uh, They were then followed to the door. Uh, About two or three hours later, walking past the Peace Park, the same crowd fighting again on another fella who was also on his own. So you wonder why people don't want to go into the city. Text 086-8104-106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Gemma, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. I want to know how your grandmother is, though, because you got in touch with us and the family are upset and worried because Granny is 84 and she's in the mercy and has been for what, like two weeks now? She's in her third week now in there, yeah. Okay, and can you just talk us through the story? I know she had to go in because she needed to get antibiotics by drip because whatever infection she had, it wasn't clearing up at home. So pick up on the story. Yeah, so she went in by ambulance. Um, it was around the 9th of January. Um, she went in, she was in A&E. She was in an isolation room there for three days before she was moved on to a ward they were trying to get a bed for her. My mother was allowed to visit for those three days. Um, because she was in in the room on her own, so she had a, maybe fifteen minutes a day or something. Yeah. Um, she, to be honest, now I would like to talk about the care she received in in the A and E was appalling. Was um, she's eighty four. She needs help, you know, getting dressed in her pajamas and things like that. She's, you know, she wouldn't be as fit as, as fit as a young one. So yeah. she was in there. Um, she had a high temperatures and vomiting, and so she was kind of. Uh, needing a wash um, you know after the second day in there and she kind of ran home and said I haven't been washed since I came in and um, you know could you 
she asked my mother to ring the nurse and see could that be seen to so my mom said oh my god so she said she rang them and they said oh yeah um assured her that she'd be that would be taken care of so right. we thought no more of it and tell me did um, she ever ask thing. did she ever ask any of the staff or a nurse or as far as i know she did as far as i know she okay. did yeah she did say she wanted she wanted to wash herself um my friend, a friend of mine that was working up there just happened to recognise her when she was walking past. She didn't know re- previously that she was in. And um, she went into the room and saw that the drip was actually after falling out and her bed was soaking wet and her pyjamas were soaking wet and she was sitting in them. My nan has chronic asthma and COPD um, and a pneumonia infection to her would be would be very dangerous. Okay. Um, we don't know how long she was sitting there before my friend saw her. And we don't know how long she would have been sitting in there afterwards, only that she did see her. Um, so she called for a nurse. They got the bed changed and they actually left her in the pyjamas. Right, the wet pyjamas. Um, so my nan, yeah, the wet soaking wet pyjamas. So my nan tried to change them herself. Uh, we didn't know of this now until the next morning when my mom went up to visit. Um, she went in and saw her with her pyjamas on inside out. I mean, she tried to attempt to get into her pajamas and got them on inside out. And did your and nan... Left, they did, left her there. Yeah, did your nan say well. that anybody had been calling in to check on her over those three-day period? I mean, clearly people must have been bringing in food and drinks. Yeah, she said they have. They brought like they brought in the food and the drink and they brought in, you know, they had to go in and check the drip. But I, I think for a lot of the time, she wasn't. Um, now that I know they're busy up there. They can't be going in there every five minutes, but at the same time... I, know. I don't know how long she was there without, the, you know, with the drip after falling out. Yeah. And then, okay. Well, she's your um, grandmother. She's 84. She's in need of uh, extra TLC and she's she's fragile and yeah. frail. Uh, you're, you're estimating that she could have been three days not washed or changed once. Um, no, she uh, went, when my mother went up on the third day, she noticed that she was in the, the pyjamas inside out and then also realised that she had, still had been washed on the third day. So my mother actually physically brought her down to the shower room herself and had to share her herself on the third she day. She shared your grand, she shared her ma'am. What about going to and from the loo? Was she able to do that? She can, like, she can walk um, and go in and out, but she, like, at home, we we would help, like, she kind of doesn't have great balance. Um, so we would help her, like, walk her in and out, and she wouldn't be able to get up and out of the bed now um, as well on her own. Like, yeah. she, she does need help with, with a lot of things like that. So she does, you know, she would need a care, especially with the drip on her now, bring her in and out to the toilet and okay, okay. and everything. So, yeah, um, there was another incident in the A&E that I won't, I won't share on air just to respect my nan, but there's been a number of incidents that, that we have actually already even filed a complaint to the HSE and heard nothing back. We've also um, filed a report um, to the head of the A&E department in the Mercy about it and we haven't heard anything back about that either. Okay. Now when my mum rang the director of nursing today she mentioned it again and she said oh I'll get on to them and I'll see what the story was with the lack of care there. Can I ask you at what stage then after this period of something like three days did your nan end up um, in the in St. Catherine's ward which was then subsequently filled with COVID patients? Yeah so she was in there for she was up in after about the third or fourth day she got the bed um, up in St. Catherine's Ward and then she was in there fine for about a week um, let's say a good five or six days anyway um, with no with no COVID patients um, it was a non-COVID ward in with all women a women's ward and then they 
didn't actually tell us anything. Um, she, we don't even know how she ended up in the the COVID ward. We don't know if she was moved to the COVID ward or if there was COVID patients moved to her. But when she went in first, she had to get a negative COVID test before she was on the ward. So we thought that was the, you know, the protocols overall, so yeah. that everyone, you know, they'd know where they're putting the negative and they'd know where they're putting the COVID. Yeah, the, I agree with you. Positive. That would make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she and she got hers and she was negative and she went to the negative ward. And then somehow they started putting COVID patients into her ward and then they started putting men into her ward as well. Uh, when my mom questioned why there was, she's a very private person. She would be mortified at the sight of a man looking at her in bed. Um, and she was very upset by that. So she was kind of rang my mom upset saying she wants to come home. And um, my mom rang and questioned it and they said, oh, it's a mixed ward. Um, well, I'm told that she was in. Uh, I'm told she was in a really bad state, crying on the phone, begging yeah. to come home, more and crying th- on the phone, begging to come home, threatening yeah, to absolutely. sign herself out that she would rather die at yeah. home than stay another day trapped in there. And of course, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. The men in the ward. No absolutely disrespect to the men. Uh, that's this isn't no, about no, them. They're lovely people. No, no. But she's 84 years old and private, and she doesn't want men in a bed looking over at her in a bed. I can understand all of that. I really can. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah, she, um, and she I mean, at this we're, stage we're she praying ourselves. Yeah, sorry. at this stage, at this stage, I'll come back to that. At this stage, she had had four negative tests. Although you're saying that the people in that ward with her are all COVID positive. So we're we're getting misinformation about that as well. So we've heard once that there's COVID positive, and then we've heard that they're COVID close contacts. So that would make her a close contact of a close contact, which would reduce her isolation time even more. And is she so in? Is been, she in so some been, sort of a COVID isolation period or something? Yeah. But yeah, why, she's but in why a COVID would, isolation ward? Why on the basis that at some stage in there she was a close contact? Is it? Yeah, that she because there was COVID because I mean that's what we're saying was so that means there was COVID patients on the ward. That's why she's in the isolation, and they're saying oh it was close contact. But then we said the rules are that kind of close contact don't even need to isolate. So I don't know what, you know, we're kind of, we're not getting a straight answer. And um, we were told that, oh, she'll just be five days. Actually, we were only told after the fifth day of her being in there that she was even in there. And then when we did find out, she said it'll be five days. So we said, so it's finished now. And then somebody else said, oh, it's seven days isolation. So we said, okay, when the seventh day came, they said, oh, no, it's 14 days isolation. For so a close said, come contact. In, come here. For a close contact. And she's had six negative tests in the seven days she was in there. So is it the conditions in there? Is it the conditions in there or is it the risk of her contracting COVID, which on an 84-year-old is a higher risk? An 84-year-old with COPD, chronic asthma, and now this infection. Very high risk. Um, I mean, they're literally, it's uh, like, thankfully, they're coming back negative so far, but we don't know when we're going to get a positive one. Like, we want her out of their ASAP. They keep putting up her isolation date. They will not leave her out. Um, they've denied us visits. She's supposed to have visits on the weekends that we didn't. They didn't actually even tell us about, even though my mum was asking. But anyway, we found out about it anyway over the weekends, and they said they refused us because she's isolating. But I mean, her isolation was supposed to be up, and then they decided to prolong it another four, another seven days. Yeah, but you see, as, as an outsider looking on, for somebody who's had all of these negative tests, even if she was a close contact, she's way over the period of isolation, but she still remains in a ward as an 84-year-old uh, with infections and also with COPD. 
she's at risk from yeah. others coming into the ward as close contacts who go on to get COVID. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, is she, can yeah, she can she leave the room? Can she go for a walk? Can she get a be- breath no, of fresh air? No. no. All right. She I, can't leave the room. She can't have her visits. Her mental health, obviously, like I said, she was crying in the phone. We're crying back listening to her. It's just an awful, we just, we're at our wits end now. We don't know what to do. We cannot get her out of the COVID ward. Um, and she's all just, alone in there without any visits. And those in the ward, are they all of similar age to your gran? They're all, yeah, they would be all elderly patients. It's kind of an, an elderly ward. It's, or is that no? Yeah, um, I mean... I don't so know. So they're, they're all at risk, really. But well, they, they all. They, yeah, I would think so. You know, I mean, I, I'm a, like one. One would assume that the medics w- would know what they're doing, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I can understand you're upset. Like she clearly is upset for a reason. You know, she she's upset because yeah. she doesn't feel safe. Um, she doesn't feel cared for. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, now she hasn't mentioned anything about. Um, a lack of care like she had an A&E in the ward so um, it's more the the fear of getting Covid and you know going in there worse than she came out or than she went in first sorry and are there other and isolation the, wards then in, within that hospital for other age groups are, are they keeping all of the elderly together away in one ward I'm not sure about that one I just know that in her ward that they are elderly and that that it's a, that it is a COVID ward. I imagine there's many there's many wards in there now. So you can't just you can't just because she's passed all of the isolation period. You can't just sign her out, or she can't just sign herself out. Can she? Does she still need treatment? Like she still need at the moment now for the last two days she's off the drip. Um, now the doctor did say today that like she can come home maybe in a week if she's. Um, if her stats and everything like that are, are normal. But she, you know, another week now in an isolation COVID word when she has no reason to be in there in the first place is, is more worrying to us than anything. It must be the only thing that's constantly on your mind and hers. That as an 84-year-old with underlying conditions, she could get COVID from a close contact I mean, who goes fear, on to get COVID. Yeah, the fear of it is, I can't even describe it. As if, like, my cousin flew home from London, um, like, in a pan, we're all just rallying around, sitting at home like headless chickens, not knowing what to do because not one of us can visit, not one of us can, can you know, um, get her out of the isolation. Like, if she was in a normal ward getting her visits, we could see what stage and condition she's in because, like I said, the condition that we found her in the first couple of days wasn't great. So you don't know how she's been um, over the last couple of weeks. You haven't physically seen her no. yet. Yeah, and this is into no, the third week. No, not much. Yeah, I know, I know. And you're, you're literally living in fear of her not getting better in, in, in hospital, which is what you expect, but not getting COVID yeah. in the hospital. I know, that's, yeah. that's an awful worry for you. Okay, do you, do you, you don't mind? We've contacted the HSE to see if we can get no, some kind absolutely. of response. Be interested to hear what they Hopefully have to say. Hopefully we do. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. Would, you, would you stay in touch with me as well if you have updates regarding uh, your... I your, will your do, name? I will, yeah. Okay. Absolutely, I okay. will. Okay, not getting much rest or sleep. It's not a really worry-free no. period for you at the moment, but hopefully hopefully oh things gosh. will make a difference for you. Listen, Gemma, do stay in touch and we'll see what they have to say on the matter, see if we can get some clarification, okay? I will. Yeah, thanks very much for that. Okay. Hopefully they'll get back now soon. All right, Gemma, take care for now. Has, right. any, has anybody, thanks. incidentally, has anybody reached out to you with an explanation? 
nobody has reached out. We're constantly trying to ring. Uh, my mum has been ringing the ward just for regular updates from the doctor and she's been told that she's ringing too much to get my nan to update her. I mean, my nan's 84. She can barely use the phone. Um, she knows how to ring my mum on speed dial and that's it. So um, it's hard. It's hard to get a doctor to speak to you. That's a shame. She's 84 years old now. She'd like family to help her. Yeah, well, I don't know. We, we just don't know what else to do. Oh, we're, okay. we're trying everything. All right. That's, that's not the best manner in the world on the phone, is it? You're ringing too much? Yeah, exactly. And get, well, your, get your 84-year-old mother there to, to update you. Like, I mean, Get the patient to update you. Okay. All right, Gemma. Yeah. Okay, let's see what they have to say. Appreciate it. Stay in touch. All right. Take care. Thanks very much. I will do. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Unfortunately, we did contact, um, subsequent to my chat with... Um, uh, the family we did after I chatted with uh, Gemma we did chat uh, we did get in touch with the HSC and a lot of what they do with regards to back and forth with media is, is dealt with through uh, the PR company that, that they use and they came back and said yes we can confirm that we received your requests um, but the hospital cannot comment on individual cases if there is any further information I will let you know and that's where the statement ended I just hope because a lot of the time things um, you know can get better by airing a story like this. So I hope that by chatting with the family, as I've just done with Gemma, on behalf of herself, the family and her 84-year-old uh, grandmother, uh, that things will improve for her grandmother. But more than that, I can't say at this point in time, unfortunately. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 Back to how safe or unsafe the city is. Um, we were talking about uh, the stabbing in John Redmond Street there a little earlier on. And I was telling you about more incidents in the city over the past good few days. And joined by Tim by phone. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mr. Prendable. Thank you, you so much for taking the call, my friend. Uh, I know this isn't uh, today or yesterday, but it was. It comes as no surprise to you because you had an incident some years back, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I'd say it was uh, the, the mid to late 90s. I was coming out of um, Sir Henry's nightclub. Um, I'd worked the next day, so I, was le- I left early, you know? Yeah. And uh, as I, so I left the nightclub by myself and I came out of the nightclub and there was a group uh, of, of people about the same age as myself all hanging around outside, girls and boys, and having a good time. And uh, they saw me coming up by myself, and they came over, and they were like, come here, come here, we got any money on you? And I was a bit like, uh, no. Mm. And essentially, uh, the kicks and punches started flying immediately, and I didn't see it coming, really. So I ended up being uh, kicked around the road a bit, uh, being kicked in the head. Uh, I had a group of about six to eight kicking me all over. And uh, uh, I started bleeding and everything. And um, while they were doing it, though, I, I reached I reached up and grabbed one of them by the balls. Yeah. Um, I know it's not kind of appropriate language at this time. All right, we'll get away with that but, much, yeah. Okay. But, but the thing, Neil, they were all wearing tracksuits, like, you know, and, and they were wearing, and they all had runners, you know. So essentially, while they were kicking me in the head, it was kind of bouncing off my head. Like, it would be different now if they were wearing hobnail boots. Yeah, yeah, but uh, they were still kicking the living daylights out of you on the ground. Oh, they're kicking, they're kicking the living daylights out of me, yeah. And uh, so I reached up anyway and, and grabbed one of them with the balls, you know, and, and I suppose, you know, adrenaline took over uh, and I must have done him a bit of damage because he left out a scream. He was like, Jesus Christ, boy, your man's killing me. Yeah. And they all stopped. And it, they all stopped, like, at the same time we looked at him like, what the hell's going on here? Like, yeah. And your man was like holding himself in the groin and yeah. he was rocking back and forth. And essentially they, they carried him off. And then I got a head of steam on me. 
and I, I chased them down the, the alleyway down the side of Henry's and asked for my money back. Oh, so they actually they got money off you, did they? Oh, they got money off me as well, yeah, yeah. They got money off me, yeah. And uh, I got I asked for my money back and uh, they gave me back my money. Which is kind of weird. Why would they want to do that? Like, there was a group of them and just one of you. I think uh, the rage had come out at that point, like, you know. And uh, I was the fact I went back after them and got stuck into them by myself... Uh, I think they just didn't know what Yeah, well, I mean, if you were to do something like that now, there's a chance they could pull a knife on you, you see. That's the difference. They probably did that something like that. No, we'd probably end up dead, Neil. And what, did something else happen that same night? No, uh, around the same time, there there was a gang, uh, I remember, and it was in the, I believe it was in the papers. Um, there'd been a number of assaults around Henry's around that period of time. Uh, there was a gang operating there and I remember that there was a guy thrown off the bridge next to Henry's and had his back broken so I was lucky it wasn't that person you know so it seems like looking at the different fights that I was talking about uh, a few minutes ago these groups tend to pick on one person who's isolated or on their own and it was the same with you it's people on their own oh yeah it's pure opportunists you know but they're going to meet the wrong person one of these days you know yeah, I mean, like, still and all, you took a right risk following them, you know? You really did, yeah. like, particularly down an alleyway. It could have gone from, ba- could have gone from <laughs> bad to worse. It could have gone from bad to worse, but, you know, whatever whatever is given off, you know, after he pulled the balls off your man, you know, I think they're saying, like, this guy's, this guy's another, like, right. just give him, give him back his money, like. All you know? right, quieting him down, give him his money back. All right, cheers, Tim. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Lovely, lovely text. I was telling a great story yesterday on the air of Vicky, who gave birth in the back seat of the car. Uh, and Stephen, her partner, husband, came on the air to chat about it. The birth of Connor. Uh, congratulations, Vicky and the family. You had a short labor girl. Connor is the best boy's name ever. It's my son's name as well. You're a lovely girl, and I'm so glad it turned out so well for you. Morning. I came close to it myself many years ago, but I just made it to the hospital. Well done to that lady. It's so scary. Well done to the father of the baby for keeping his cool. Many congratulations to the family. And there's more. Congrats to you all. Well done, Mum. A fantastic, brave mummy. And, of course, Daddy for keeping a cool head while driving. Another one. Wow, what a fantastic woman delivering her own baby. I don't think she's any choice in the matter, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, still a fantastic woman. Well done, Mama. And congrats to you all. And just another few. Thanks to everybody that texted. Same thing happened to my uncle and his partner. He delivered his own son two minutes away from the CUMH. I can't imagine that the experience was absolutely amazing, but he did it nonetheless. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Uh, Congrats to all. Well done, Mom. Hope you're doing really well. Welcome to the world, little Connor. And lots more just saying congratulations, congratulations. But this is a good one. There's There's no pause button when they're on their way, no matter what. When they're on their way, they're on their way. But congratulations to all involved. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Yeah, loads and loads of correspondence. What else is new? Morning, Neil. Hope this email finds you well and your colleagues in good health. Uh, this time last year, I sent a request into your show to ask if you could wish my mom a very happy 99th birthday, which you kindly did. And it made her day as she listens to your show every single day. I'm delighted to say that she will celebrate her 100th birthday on Friday the 28th. Her name is Brita 
Cunningham from Glavin's Terrace in Cove. I hope you can give her a mention on your show and wish her a happy 100th birthday from her daughters, sons, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, relatives and friends. Find time to read this out. I would so appreciate it. And that's from Liz McFay. Job done. Now, I know it's Friday. But there's always a chance that when an email comes in early, it gets lost in the mix and I'd miss it on Friday, you see. So I'm doing it today ahead of Friday's birthday. So happy, happy birthday uh, to Abrida Cunningham from Glavin's Terrace in Cove. 100 years old this week and the birthday is on Friday. And isn't it great that you can have a proper birthday uh, for a change? I'm sure the 99th was very different. But my, I tell you what, Brida must have lived through so much. I'd love to chat with her if she's ever up for a chat, Liz organize it. Love to share her life story. A hundred years, she'll be getting a cheque from the president, which is great news. Congratulations to all concerned. Um, Talking about grannies and what have you, keep those grannyisms coming. One of the reasons they say the wonderful old phrases, things like I mentioned loads of them already this morning, they say that a lot of them are gone and won't be used anymore because people don't talk so much. They text a lot more. And you'd never really text a grannyism. Apparently what people use instead are emojis. Those tiny little twiddly drawing kind of things. So the little cartoony emojis are putting, I suppose, are putting the grannyisms in the halfpenny place. <laughs> There's another one for you. The halfpenny place. Um, do you ever hear the one? I love this. You know, it's about, you know, take your time in life, you know, be careful and do the job properly and all will be fine. There's a, there's a grannyism for that. It's uh, called measure twice, cut once. So much sense in that. Not, and I don't think it's just sense for a carpenter, you know? Like a carpenter would measure twice and cut once because you can't, if you cut, you cut and the job's done. And a tailor as well, I suppose, would use that one. Measure twice, cut once. But we'd all use it, wouldn't we? And, and then there's another one that kids confuse. A fly in the ointment. A lot of people would say, ah, so that's just a fly in the ointment. In the ointment. Uh, one or two more um, that I mentioned earlier on this morning include um, drop him a line. You said that to a young person or they wouldn't have a clue. I'm going to drop him a line. Or why don't you drop him a line? Not really. And who drops a line anymore? <laughs> I'm not talking about fishing. Anyway, keep those coming. I'll read out all your ones. If you text your own grannyism, text 86 and we'll come back to it, I promise you that. After the break, and I think many, many people can relate to the conversation I'm about, about to have, particularly if you have a child on the autistic spe- spectrum, uh, you should have a listen. Or if you know of somebody who is, uh, you are not alone. There are many, many people crying out for school places, crying out for treatment, um, never more so than after the last two years. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 86 8104 As I was mentioning, this, the conversation I want to have now um, is probably uh, a conversation that will ring, through, ring true for many, many families. But um, I have been sent a very lengthy email from the heart, a very, very personal account by email in quite some detail um, of the life and times of Dervla. Burke O'Connor. Now, you will know uh, Dervla from her time as a member of the band of the band Crystal Swing, uh, which went on to a lot of international success. Uh, she then, of course, married Tim, and they had two beautiful children, their precious son, Ta- Paul, and Paul's younger sister, Hannah. Uh, but as I say, it is a very, very personal, touching story of their lives. And it could relate to many families who perhaps are going through similar situations themselves. And Dervla joins me by phone. Dervla, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. And listen, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me this morning. Take the time. You'll forgive me, uh, Neil, if I, I, I am actually a little bit nervous this morning because, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, from our previous interviews over the years in Crystal Swing, it was a lot of happy, happy, happy-go-lucky stuff. But this morning is something very personal and to to my heart and so i i hope that i i that i speak properly on behalf of my son paul and so i suppose as you mentioned um we have two beautiful children and um, but paul our eldest who is five years old has severe non-verbal autism and he is the light of our lives and we absolutely adore him but Life with Paul is very, very difficult. But um, I suppose before I do say anything, Neil, um, there is kind of, I suppose, a bit of confusion about the word autism. It is thrown about a lot out there. It's a broad spectrum, isn't it? It is a very broad spectrum. And that is the thing. And the thing with autism is, Neil, that by right, technically, there should be levels of autism. So you would have maybe the more milder cases where children... Could you know? Yes, they will have additional needs, but that they can go on to live pretty normal lives. Uh-huh. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, like our Paul, who would be very, very severe. So at the moment, um, myself and my husband are fighting a huge battle, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. Um, as parents to ensure that our son is getting the proper services that he needs, and and. Um, you know, it, it, it's frightening, really, Neil. There's, there, there really is no services as such, and there's a huge lack of school places. And, and again, people might be a little bit confused, so I just kind of want to make clear that there are, there are special schools called units which are attached to mainstream primary schools which cater for autistic children. Mm. But unfortunately, Paul is, is gone past that, and so what he will need going forward, they're literally called special schools. Mm. So at the moment, Paul is attending a preschool unit in Middleton, St. Bridget's. And um, now I have to say it is absolutely through no fault of the school. They are absolutely fantastic. And his teacher, Miss Ray, is so kind and gentle and patient with Paul. And they are, are giving them wonderful care. However, sadly... Paul will need more going forward and we have all the necessary reports and documentation stating that Paul needs, it's essential for him that he gets a place in a special school. I know and, and now, I was making the point earlier that you probably are speaking on your own behalf but representing, yes, as you said to me in your letter, absolutely. you represent many more parents who are struggling for vital yeah, services, and, and a lot of it I is public. A lot of it is private to you. So even going public, um, it's kind of like almost a last resort because you detail exactly. you detail day to day living with Paul very very minutely. I mean, you you quit the band and had to retire from your career because you're his full time yes. carer. He was born yes. in 2017. The delivery was traumatic. Are you relating to the delivery to his condition? Well, I mean, honestly, that is a question I cannot answer okay. um, for sure, Neil. And, and I, I won't go into too much detail about it. And But at the same time, when Paul was born um, through the labour, he was um, brought into this world 
with a forceps, which is like a big clamp on his head. Yeah. And after he was born, he had a huge swelling on his head. Yeah. And we did get that um, checked out. You know, we had concerns about it. Um, but at the time, we were told that, look, that, there, that, that it was just more of a, a visual thing. Now, to this day, his head is still misshapen, but mm. you, you can't really see it with the hair. Mm. But at the same time, we did afterwards say, my God, was there... You know, was there more to it than we realised at the time? But I cannot say for sure okay. that that was okay. the reason. Okay. And but you say, my husband and myself and Paul's little sister Hannah struggle daily with the mental and physical anguish of rearing a child with the disability of severe nonverbal autism. We have no supports whatsoever. And then you go in to describe um, what it is day in and day out as his main carer, not not just yeah. through your eyes, but also through his eyes, and indeed Hannah and your husband Tim's. Um, yes, it's, it's it, well, it affects the whole family unit, and um, Neil. Like, I mean, it, what is he five now? Is he? He's getting stronger he's now. You see, five, and that's the thing. He and he's very tall, and he's quite a, a strong build. So even he's only a child at the moment, but that's not going to last. He is going to grow into a teenager. He is going to grow into a man. And I'm his main carer, and I will say that I'm finding it increasingly difficult to look after him because he is nonverbal, and so he cannot communicate his needs with us, and so he has a lot of frustration inside his body, so he lashes out a lot, and he hits out a lot, and and, and it's through no fault of our child, but just to give you a, a brief insight into kind of what daily life would be with Paul, like, and this is only the tip of the iceberg, Neil. I could talk for the rest of the show on this, but, you know, everything in our home has been completely damaged. Um, he's broken the screens of many televisions. He's pulled down curtain rails. He's on the kitchen table constantly. He's up on countertops. It's a miracle he's not, you know, caused damage to his brain uh, from falling on yeah. these things. There's no glass or, or mirrors or anything like that well, because of kicking him. everything has to be removed. All mirrors and glass have had to be taken down for his safety. Our house is like a prison. Every door in the house is locked, all kitchen cupboards. Um, he he has uh, he I suppose he has obsessions then due to his condition. So he has obsessions at the moment with clothes hangers so he snaps every clothes hanger we have in the house but as I say all rooms are locked but you know sometimes you might forget he chews on things on a continuous basis chews like, um, so, so chewing then is a problem with regards to the, yes, so the hazard of choking sensory issues I, exactly he is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big worry you know he will chew on things like electrical cables oh, and he eats books he will, you know, he will put stones in his mouth and lie down on his back and there's a fear that he will choke to death. He will eat grass. He will eat anything but food. That's another whole issue. I, I'll come to that. I mean, what what was home like at Christmas? Like, we'll put decorations up and trees up and baubles yeah. up and things. Did you do any of that? Yes. Well, if we didn't have Hannah, I would not have put up any Christmas decorations this year because I suppose... I knew what was going to happen, but for Hannah's sake, I, you know, the poor little thing, she, she's a, a pet. She gets forgotten about quite a lot oh, because yeah. you know everything revolves around Paul. So I said, no, we're going to put up the Christmas decorations this year for Hannah. Um, but 
you know, literally after the Christmas decorations went up, everything was in shreds and in pieces in, in a very short space of time because Paul, you know, obviously got a hold of it and um, everything was just... Poor old no, Paul, she doesn't realise what he's doing and poor old Hannah then is watching it and, oh, and I think some of, her, or some of her bits and pieces get damaged, don't they, Miss Fortune? They do, toys. and they do. She has no toys left because Paul will eat through everything and or he'll smash it and um, even only it was only the night before last you know he he doesn't play with toys Neil so he's not your typical child so he's into all uh, strange objects so actually um, my my husband took him for a spin the other night and Paul spotted a dog collar so Tim bought him the the dog collar and he was delighted with himself so he said look that'll keep him happy now for for five minutes but Paul literally he ate through the the dog Uh. collar and, you know, and he, he like, doesn't know any fear, sure. He doesn't like say say no, climbing over the no. banister like he did. He doesn't see the fear yeah. in that. No, he has no fear because he has no understanding. He sees the world through completely different eyes, and that is something that has happened. That where he has, um, you know, he has dangled out over the banister up on the landing, and oh my God, the fear of God came into me. You know, if if he fell down, he would be killed. Because Um, he's your responsibility. It's your watch. You're his carers. I mean, you're his mum, of course. I'm his mother, yeah, and I'm his main carer. But at the the same time, and and I do everything I can possible for him but sometimes it's impossible to watch him 24-7 and but but he's obviously he's within a very close range to me all the time and for that reason we had to get a a secure special made cot for him and because you know he would be a danger to himself if he if he was able to escape in the middle of the night sure I know yeah. You know he's in nappies then as well because he's not he, he doesn't understand he's not toilet trained so he um he he wets the bed regularly and I know this probably sounds like a lot of information but I still think it's important to share that No, I have to say I, I read every single word you sent me you all of the pages it, yeah. and, and I said it was yeah. it was one of the most heartbreaking uh, letters or emails very yeah. very and descriptive and detailed because also yeah, I've spoken in the true. past with families who have the added worry and fear because their poor misfortunate son or daughter who through no fault of their own they lash out you see and as he gets bigger that'll become more of a more concern I know uh, the yeah. poor old Hannah's got a couple of uh, couple of smacks as well, and they must feel yeah. awful as a parent then trying to control that when he lashes out. It is. It's very hard because Paul will lash out when he's frustrated and upset, but equally he, he does this thing. It's called stimming, which yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would be aware of. So he flaps his arms and his hands a lot, and when he gets excited, he flaps his arms, um, you know, into your face or into your back or whatever, and it hurts like like hell but it's it's only because he's happy but you see he doesn't realize his own strength and that is his way of expressing himself but you know um as you say like with the likes of hannah and with younger children they don't they don't understand why he is doing this so you know you have to protect them too and as he grows older it will become a danger then to others you know and does it lead then to people i mean you must leave lead a, a, a relatively isolated life then because I mean, you, you can't get a, a babysitter I mean you, you told me in the letter that you, you could never go on holidays and, and, and people are probably standoffish are they? Oh look Neil I would say like as I say every word I'm saying here today is true and none of it is for pity I'm telling you the literal truth and for a person like myself who was out on the, the social scene a lot over the years and now I'm literally imprisoned in my home and we all are as a family because 
you know, even I suppose it, it's like a, a grieving of your child when when you're hit with this diagnosis with autism. But we initially thought that Paul w- would be maybe more milder, but thing, he has regressed dramatically. So we are not getting any support. You I know, we can't know. go for a meal. We can't go for a holiday. We cannot attend family gatherings because it's upsetting for him and yeah. then it upsets everybody else. And it's it's day-to-day life, like trying to... Like, my husband works full-time, so naturally enough, I'm with the children. And then trying to get shopping done and paying bills, you know, all these daily things that have to the be done. The things that have to be done, the boxes that have difficult. to be ticked. So you must be exhausted. You must get very oh, yeah. down. You must cry a lot, both of you. I do, and... and I, I do, if I'm being completely honest, Neil, I find the whole thing very, very hard because I feel nobody is listening. And I'm, I am on my knees begging every day for help and support and services that our child sure deserves. I know. I know. The other day, I was I literally, I was walking down the town of Middleton just going about my business and I met a lovely woman who, you know, I haven't spoken to in a while. And she just said, oh, hi, Tervla, how are you? You know, how are you getting on? And I just started bawling, crying in the middle of the street. Now, the poor woman didn't, she felt awful. But yes, it's it's unbelievably um, stressful, Neil, and worrying because we, uh, I suppose, I'm, I'm appalled at, the way that that us as a family are being treated, but I know I am speaking on behalf of many families out there who are going through the same thing. And I, I will say, Neil, the politicians and our government should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. You know, the, our society, you hear about it on a daily basis that, you know, we should have compassion and equality. Where is the equality? Yes, Inclusion, yeah. dignity, respect for people. Yeah. What I'm seeing in our society, Neil, is a form of child abuse. It's absolute child abuse. And I don't want to get emotional, oh, but no. how far have we come in our society, Neil? These people are real people. My child deserves mm. an education. And, and so do all of these other children. They deserve dignity and respect. It is a constitutional right of ours that we are entitled to an education. The doors are being shut on us. And we are getting absolutely nothing. And, and Neil, even though Paul has very complex needs, he does have an intelligence inside of him. And I know that a special school would be the key to unlocking yes, to unlocking it. Yeah. No, we, you know what I'm saying? I do, because we know that slowly but surely they do manage to unlock with key with yes. special, you know, with the special training that they do. Yes, Aspects absolutely. of a child. Because he's only five. I mean... What will it be like without any help or intervention when he's 10 or 15? Or uh, and, and that's another point I want to make. I have spoken to parents who have children in special schools and they have said, yes, their progress is different to your average child, but they do make progress. They do, and if they yeah. can get basic life skills going forward. But I have equally spoken to people, um, parents whose children have literally been left at home and they are regressing dramatically and it is detrimental to their progress. And, and tell I me... Do not t- want that to happen no, you don't. Not for Paul. Tell me then about the last two years then. He, he must have regressed then because he wouldn't have had even access to what he had attached to the primary school, the, the preschool. Yes. Yes. So, well, at the moment, as I said, he is attending a, a unit 
And um, but as I said, this is not what we we need for Paul going forward. So we have been taking the steps now to try and make things happen for Paul to get into a special school. But the problem that we're facing, Neil, is that there are no special schools in um, our area, in particular East Cork. Um, so oh, you've tried others in other areas oh, that are full. You said to me that there were 12 places somewhere, I don't know, down Rochestown way, and they filled in seconds. In seconds, and Neil, there are a certain number of special schools in the county of Cork, but none of them are accepting applications bar one school, which is the Carrigaline Community School. And that is the school that we want for Paul, and we, we will not settle for anything less, because if Paul, God forbid, got refused a place in this special school, what would happen then is he would be entitled to what is called home tuition okay. okay and maybe home tuition again it might it, it might be more suitable to a, a more milder case but we are dealing with the a very very severe case Profound, here yeah. and home tuition and it is no disrespect to home tutors out here what i'm saying they're only doing their job but to, for someone like paul home tuition is really only glorified babysitting but is it's there a place it, is there not, not a place in cope that he could attend? Well, you see, and you see, the whole thing has changed, Neil. There's no such thing as a cope school anymore. They don't exist. And they're, they, the, the, we are dealing with cope, okay? Um, isn't there a big unit, isn't there a big unit in Montanati, Derbla? Well, there are a number of units, Neil, but none of them are accepting applications. And there are different special schools, but certain special schools accept different types of children maybe some with physical disabilities yeah. some with uh, autism but so your limits you're 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 limited by the fact that it's severe non-verbal autism your choices exactly. are limited even more yeah our choices are, are and you see, very, very limited and i'm being told constantly dervla by by professionals listen you cannot just apply paul to um, one school. You need to have a plan B. Well, I can tell you there is no plan B. This is this is it, Neil. And I was absolutely horrified to hear from a very reliable source um, recently of the way of the application process, the way it is handled in a certain school. Now, I'm not going to mention the name of the school, but but at the same time, this behaviour needs to be highlighted. It you mean it's not a fair and equitable application system, is it? Well, this is, no, this is what, this is my understanding of it, that it involves children's names being put into a hat to be picked out to get a place in the school. Now, literally, Neil, are, are these children comparable to a box of USA biscuits, literally? Like, it's like a lottery. It does not seem fair. <sighs> there are priority cases oh, out there. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that my son is the only one who needs a place in a special school. But, I'm speaking for everybody out there. Yeah, you know the things that, that parents take for granted, and many listening to this would take for granted, like going out, going to yeah. McDonald's, going out for a meal, yeah. going to a playground, going to watch a kid's movie in the cinema. Even, yeah. even you know cutting your child's hair whatever the case may be none of that is possible for you all of these things come with huge huge stresses and demands I mean there wasn't there a stage oh. where was there, he nearly walked out onto a busy road didn't he yes well actually what happened was um, the, it was it was actually when the weather was warmer back in the summer I had some of the windows open in the house because the house was roasting and 
suddenly I, I couldn't find Paul. He was missing. And li- this was literally within, uh, you know, seconds. I had went into the kitchen and next thing I look out the window and Paul is just aimlessly wandering towards the road and he would have just walked out straight into the middle and, and, and our, on our road there's a lot of lorries and traffic passing by and he could have been killed in an instant. So he he doesn't understand yeah. the danger, you know, and, and you can't explain to him yeah. because he has a very poor understanding of language. Like, he would understand words. Now, he does understand the word no. He understands shoes, drink. But if I said to Paul, Paul, go get your shoes and your coat. We're going to go for a spin. That is like a foreign language. But can he he communicate in any way, shape or form for something that he likes or wants? Well, he he has a, a certain way of communicating to a degree where he uses pictures. We have some pictures on the wall of things that he likes, which are very limited. But he, he has an obsession with drinking out of his baby bottle. So he will continually hand you the picture of the the baby bottle for a drink. And, you know, he will he will drink it and then he will go back into the picture. But at the same time, that's what I'm saying. He does have a certain level of intelligence that if it is tapped into correctly, that we might be able to... To pull that I know, him. yeah, but a lot of it would be uh, repetition, wouldn't it? Regularity, routines. Oh, yeah. Like, isn't yes, there, there? You were telling me a story of his obsession with one particular bottle. Is it the Tommy Teepee brand bottle? Is it? Yes, that is the bottle. So he'll only drink out of that. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a baby bottle. He will only drink out of that, and uh, you know, God forbid, they ever decide to um, to go out of stock. I'll be in serious trouble. But so I you went out and bought loads inside. of them, did you? Oh, yes, I had to because, you know, I mean, literally it is my child's lifeline because he eats a very limited amount of foods and he will only eat certain foods in um, certain places. So, for example, he o- occasionally will eat a baby dinner, um, you know, suitable for a six-month-old, which has to be spoon-fed into his mouth. And when he eats that, then there has to be a certain song playing and it's the same routine all the time. He then, um, he eats slices of pepperoni like he only eats a few few foods but when he eats the pepperoni then he has to eat that in a certain room in our house and uh-huh. all curtains have to be closed uh-huh. so he I'm trying to feed him in complete darkness then my poor mother tries to give him toast so he will he will sometimes eat toast for her but he wouldn't eat it for anybody else and she'd and sit again, patiently wouldn't she Mary would sit patiently for a couple of hours just she trying would. to feed him oh, little bits of toast it takes so much time and everything has to be put into his mouth and the toast can't be too hot or too cold there's the square of it can't be too big can't be too small I can't know. be too brown yeah. can't be too yeah. white but she, my mother is fantastic and she is a, a huge support to me as are my, my in-laws but you know I suppose that's it's not enough, Neil, because, um, you know, everyone has their own lives, too. And but do you sleep at all, then, Darvla? Are you exhausted well, all the time? Well, the way I'll put it is I sleep at one eye open all the time. I'm on age all the time, you know. And But I am exhausted. I'm, But I have to say my exhaustion and my stress and my anxiety will be lifted if I can be guaranteed that my child gets the services that he needs going forward. Like, not only, Neil, is Paul not, um, you know, is there a huge question mark over his education but equally, you know he should be entitled to one-on-one speech therapy, one-on-one occupational therapy, one-on-one play therapy he needs all the therapies. Now I will say, COPE have 
paid a few home visits to us. I've done a lot of communicating, a lot of emailing. I'm on the phone 24-7. But there's an awful lot of talk going on. They have given us recommendations to do things at home with Paul, but that's not enough. So what would be what would be ideal for you? What would come as a tremendous relief? Oh, well, if if Paul got I suppose our number one goal that I keep repeating, our goal for Paul is to get a place in a special school, Neil. We will not settle for anything less. Yes, he deserves all of the other interventions and we as a family deserve some respite every now and again. And if we get these things, and it's not a whole lot to ask for if you ask me, it will be like winning the lottery. No money could buy it, Neil, what this would do for us as a family. Why not, why not, you poor thing, why not, why not respite? I mean, why is that even difficult to get you a break where he can go and be looked after by professionals for a week or ten days? I don't know, and, and to be honest, not only would it give us as a family that little bit of a break to maybe to do something for Hannah and even for ourselves. But it's very important for the child going forward too, to, you know, to have that little bit of independence. You would think that it, it, it shouldn't even have to be discussed. I have brought this up many times that, that we should be getting respite, but I have been told on numerous occasions, oh, you know, the, I'm sorry, you know, the services just aren't there and it's, it's, it's looking but, but, doubtful that you'll get the respite. Why do we waste so much money in this country on oh. things that we could do without? I know we need new road networks. I get all of that. But yeah. they're not as important as stories like yours and many other listening. Yeah. I know that perhaps people are entitled to a thousand euro bonus for COVID, but it's a hundred yeah. million euro that they'll pay out. I mean, could we not spend it better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Could we not spend it better? I think, as you say, look, there, there's the money has to be spent in certain ways. But our, our children, our children are priority. And yes. just because they are special needs people does not make them any less of a human being than you or I. We're no better than any of these people. And they are our vulnerable members in society. And someone has to be the voice for these people. So as he goes through 2022 and into September... Um, many other children will be starting primary school or going into to second class. Yes. He'll, he'll have none of that because he must move out of the play school scenario now. Yes, and I- exactly. He must and move what, out of the what happens with him then? Well, uh, that's the thing. By right, there should be a, a special school in Middleton, 100%, because, you know, even if, even if we are lucky enough to get Paul a place in Carrigaline, parents like us are forced to travel outside of our areas which gives a, an extra journey for your child every day coming to and from school. But, um, but look, could, what but needs to be done will be done. Is that, is that the Shine Centre, yeah? Well, no, this is... I'm speaking of the, um, the Carrigaline Community School, Neil. Oh, the attached uh, the services school. to the, the community school. But wouldn't yeah. you be entitled to get the HSE through Bus Erin, I think, to provide you with um, a driver and a car and a Perfect. special assistant? Yes, well, currently he is receiving, um, even for his preschool unit, he does get a taxi in and out from yeah, our house yeah. to Middleton every day. And I would be hopeful that, that that would happen if he does get a place in a special school. But, um, but even if he didn't, I would be more than happy to drive him in and out every day just so that he can get what, what he needs. Do you ever stop and think, why me, why us? Um, 
Honestly, look, I mean, there was a certain grievance process when Paul was diagnosed with his autism. However, at this point, we accept his diagnosis. And I know that Paul will always have, you know, a lot of needs going forward. And he will always be autistic. But he is our our child and we love him so much. And I I don't say that anymore. When I look at him, I see a, a vulnerable little human being who needs who needs someone to do these things for him. I'm 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 so thankful to God that that we were lucky enough to have him. You know, where we love him so much. Yeah, and as as he gets older and bigger, um, of course. Uh, I mean, I don't mean, I mean, don't mean to frighten you or upset you, but your 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 tasks will get harder to do because he'll be a big lad. Yes. You'll be well, able to lift him. Yes, and, and he's only five years old at the moment. Here. Like, I mean, I, I'm finding it very hard at the moment, and and I do think about the future a lot about how how do you handle his strengths going forward, and 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 I and I talk about this a lot to professionals is the word I will put on them but I'm told constantly Jervis, stop being the now, stop thinking about the future, you know but but that's easier said than done Neil when there is no roadmap ahead for him Yes, it's easy to say it but it's a different it's thing to live it yes. You know, unless you're living through it, you really don't understand what day-to-day life is like living with a severely special needs um, human being yeah, it's just, it's uh, part of your your letter that you sent to me said, we long to tell him we love him so much. We long for yeah. him to call his sister's name. He's our beautiful yeah. little boy. He is our flesh and blood. Um, yes, if, with with, proper, with proper help, a lot of that could happen, couldn't it? Some yes, of it, it anyway. It is possible. It is possible. Look, he may never speak. And if that is the case, then so be it. But I do believe that there is a lot of potential in our little Paul and he does have intelligence and we're not giving up on him and we will not sit down and be told no I'm not going to give up on this Neil uh, I will we will settle for no less than what he deserves I know and as I, I say I'm speaking for many families out there listening this morning I'm sure there's a lot of people can relate to this story well that's one of the reasons I did want to chat with you I wanted to chat about your own circumstances and your life but I'm quite sure others can relate to some perhaps all of it themselves and their struggles I have asked um, Pat Buckley your local TD the Sinn Féin TD Pat Buckley to pick up on your story and with your permission I would like to send him the audio of this conversation and I'd also like to send him a copy of the lengthy email, the detailed email you sent me. Are you okay with that? I would be more yeah. than Because I, I want him to pick up on this, and he has said to Seamus that he will, that he will have Sinn Féin's spokesperson on disability raise it in the doll, in the, on the floor of the doll, and he'll get a question asked on this matter on behalf of you and other families like you. But I think he probably will be taking a particular interest in your case. So you're okay with all of that? Oh my God, I am. I'm more than okay with that, Neil. I'm delighted. I know it needs to be. No, listen, it needs to be highlighted. It really does. And I know your mam is 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 doing Trojan work as any man would be. I'm going to have a quick chat with her after a break in a few minutes. Just a quick chat to say hi to your mother as well. Is that all right with you, Dervla? That is fine. Thank you, Neil. Okay, Um, we'll be back in touch. Um, You know, try try and try and remain as optimistic as possible. You know. Yes, I know, I know, I know the circumstances. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know the circumstances <laughs> would dictate otherwise right now, but you never know what could, com- what could come from our conversation, okay? 
Absolutely. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for this. Thanks for now, Dervla. Okay, cheers for now. Take care. Imagine there are many people listening to this that we can all relate in our own particular way in the sense that it may not be our story, but um, you might even be saying to yourself, oh my God, that is so tragic for that family. Thank God I'm not going through something like that. And then there's others who will be listening who will be going through it. Um, And and it always comes back to the word. There's so much money, but so much waste when we should be prioritizing family and children above everything else. Road networks, flyovers, even bunging somebody a grand tax-free. Anyway, back after the break. Text 0868 on this. If you have a story that you wish to share, you can always get it down. Email neil at redfm.ie. I would love to hear from you. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. And you can text 086-810-4106. So Dervila speaks very passionately and from the heart in quite an amount of detail as to what life is like for and indeed with her precious son, Paul. Her mom, of course, is Mary, so that would be uh, Granny to Paul. She joins me briefly by phone. Mary, good morning. I don't know if there's much you can add. Um, it's very, very troubling and worrying, isn't it? It's just, thank you so much, Neil, for having us Well, on it's on behalf morning. of your family, but on many others as well, who I, I imagine uh, oh. can relate. Yeah. 100%, Neil. Um, as a grandmother, I am absolutely justly angry um, be, as, as well as Dervla it's, it's an absolute abuse of human rights what is happening to our special needs people, the most vulnerable in society and their families Neil um, I have never ever experienced uh, such injustice uh, um, but it can't be it can't be okay it may be a lack of places a lack of teachers and a lack of uh, spaces but it can't be a lack of money it can't no it can't be I mean like uh, you know uh, like I, I, I even think back and you know you hear about all the abuses and, and all the things that have happened to women and their children over the, the you know the past century in Ireland but from where I'm looking at it nothing has changed uh, you know um, you know I can see my daughter my son-in-law and, and their child and the way they are being silenced like when Dervla would ask and she'd say um please, uh, can you give me a roadmap what's going to happen to Paul? All the doors are being shut on these people. Um, you know, and, and, and like, what is going to happen when Paul becomes a man? That's right. Like, if, if, if Dervla and Tim had a car accident in the morning and they were killed, True. Um, where will, can Paul go? There is no residential care for these people going forward. Nobody is talking. Um, our politicians, if there's any of them listening in, TDs, politicians, people in public life, life, you need to be a man. You need to be a woman. You need to stand up for the most vulnerable in mm. our society. Parents are being silenced about this. They're mm. told, just stay quiet, come back to the now. Uh, uh, Wait you know, your um, time. Yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah, the best we uh, can. That's right. Yeah, and you're on a waiting it, list. Yeah. You're on a waiting list, a never-ending waiting list. And if you don't speak up, even if you do speak up, they're not hearing you. Um, I'm picking you know, up uh, a lot of frustration, clearly upset and worry, frustration and anger, because you're a grandmother absolutely. watching, looking on. Now you are, you're helping as best you can. I think that's a, I think it's a beautiful story of you spending hours trying to feed Paul just a piece of toast. Yeah, and indeed his grandmother and grandfather on the other side equally love him just as much and they feel exactly the same way as we do, Um, Neil. uh, Yeah, you know, I would do 
anything for that child. He, you know, some people say to me, oh, you know, my God, this is not your problem. Of course it's my, it's, he's our fish and blood. We love him unconditionally. I would die for that child. If they, if, if, I mean, the, the martyrs of Ireland a hundred years ago were celebrating all the things that happened, that, you know, the, 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 the freedom of Ireland a hundred years ago and all of that. If, I think if they were to come back, they would rise in their graves if they saw what's happening to our most vulnerable at this time, Neil. Um, you know, it, it, it's absolutely... These, are, these, these people have a special place in our society, just like everybody else, you know. Probably a more or, special place, really, because they are the most vulnerable. Place. And we, we have yeah. opportunities to tap into their strengths, all of them, or at least give them That's all the same opportunity. Absolutely. I, I just wonder sometimes what keeps me going. I have a very strong faith and uh, I really do believe is that it not God shook, will... Is it not shook, though, your faith? Oh, no, when... because it's not what? God is doing this. It's our people. It's people are doing this. Uh, God wants what's best for... Neil, he's a gift from God to our family. Yeah. He's a special, special child. But the, it's 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 what our society, it's what our government, it's what our leaders are doing to them is absolutely appalling. Like if and I don't mean to call them normal children, but if a regular normal child missed 20 days of school in the year, the, 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 the officials would come knocking on the door and the parents would be um, oh my God, brought up so right. sending their so children right. Nobody school. knocks on your door. Nobody knocks on Darvilla's door. No. Paul, will, they will happily leave them there to rot in, in their home if, 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 if uh, she doesn't keep begging. There is only one one school that we can apply to for Paul and you know I mean and, and there are more children than places for this school um, uh, you know Neil it is uh, it is a scandal in our society we as a people need to stand up and see the truth of what is happening to these parents these parents are overwhelmed with the, 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 it's a 24-7 job and indeed there are some families out there who have more than one special needs child mm. and they and haven't some are, got some the are single, Some are single parents rearing all on their own. Absolutely, there are all types of families who are dealing with this. There are people they have to remortgage their homes to try and 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 and, and maybe fund um, you know therapies for their children, Private. which. Yeah. You know, it, it, and that is the truth. That's what's happening out there. And like there, people often say to devil, maybe you can, uh, you know, get a support team around your people who are dealing with the same thing. These people don't have time. To, to, they don't. Like, for example, Neil, we have a little family, our little, little girl, a women's WhatsApp group in our locality around here. And occasionally we invite each other to one another's homes to, um, to, to try and, uh, you know, meet up. Dervilla's turn came around there when restrictions were eased there before Christmas. Yeah. And, um, I had to hold the party in my house for Dervla because poor little Paul, if he woke up, it would be too distressing for him. Dervla would love to. Dervla would love to have friends and family in the home. In the home, she she cannot have a family gathering in the house at night because if Paul wakes up, well, you know, it, it's just too upsetting for him, and she just doesn't have the time to be preparing or uh, do the normal things. Like her, she has her girlfriends call to see her and all of that, and there she has great and she has a great husband I must say Tim, Tim uh, as, as a father uh, they're bo- I think I actually 
not because they're our own, but they 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 they, they, they don't even complain or they never say why me. They accept the diagnosis one hundred percent, and they get. But 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 it's absolutely appalling in twenty twenty two to think this is happening in Ireland. Um, Neil, um, I I I don't think an awful lot of people I meet on the street, and I know I'm talking a lot here, Neil. When I meet them on the street, sometimes people say, "Ah, but there's lots of services out there." There are no supports out there, and the more severe the children are, the less supports the are there yeah, the for thing. them, Neil. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. That's it's the it's thing. it's it's horrendous, and I know there are so many other different kind of medical problems out Don't there. Don't you be people. concerned about that? I know I acknowledge no, there are, but I wanted to hear Dervla's right. story, and I wanted to have a quick this, chat with it through your right. eyes and ears as a grandmother. This, this is our journey, Neil. As yeah. a, a, me as a grandmother, uh, and 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 as I say, to think that like little Hannah, his little sister, she's going to play school now, and she loves it. And we know she'll be going off to to, to primary school yes. in another year or two. Um, but little Paul, he is five years old, and we don't. We have no, absolutely no guarantee, or nobody helping us to say that he will get a place in a special school this year um, and, he, and he can't go anywhere else because on his um, recommendations, on his reports, he can only go to a special school. So even he cannot even go to a unit which is not suitable for him anyway. So the child will literally be left, and, and I use the word rot because we know of children who are waiting three, four, five years to get a place in a special school. Mm. It's too late for them at that mm. stage, Neil. Early but, intervention, and, and yeah. I, yeah. Because that some, uh, somebody who is very medically informed told me that that early intervention and, 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 and like he needs it now, like, you know, know Neil. Know. Um, know. Yeah, and I know I'm passionate and I sound, uh, but I am very, 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 uh, frustrated that this should be happening in 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 Ireland in 2022. Thanks what so much. Has changed for our precious children. I know. Thanks so much, Mary. I did want to have a quick chat with you, and thank you because you you know you you describe it so well as a as a mother and indeed as a grandmother. I see texts yeah. and emails coming in already from from other people. A lot of people are saying, "Well done to you for highlighting and to Derville as well." Thank you. It needs yeah. to be talked about, and we're going to move it. As I say, hopefully we can get, um, you know, some of your local TDs to intervene on a national level on yes. behalf of your Paul and everybody else's yes. children as well. Yes. So thanks for now, Mary. All right. Thank you so much, Neil. Look we are yourself. indebted to you right. for, for giving us airtime this time. morning. God bless. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Take Neil. Bye Back bye after now. 11. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. Just acknowledging a lot of texts on uh, yesterday's program with uh, regards to different topics. I'm amazed, actually, the amount of people who had an opinion on Russia. I'm really, really impressed. Thank you all for that. And I will come back to them just before quitting time this morning. Uh, a lot of people liked my story as well. I found it very funny about the OAP comment inside in the Barbers on the Douglas Road on uh, <laughs> was Monday. You find it funny. I suppose I do, too. People saying the silver fox, which is kind of nice. Anyway, text 086-8104-106. And people have been texting and sharing stories already. And I would encourage you to email me as well if you have a, your own story to share with regards to a child who may be on the autistic spectrum and how difficult you're finding it, how lonely, how isolated, how the services are failing. Uh, you hear the front of the papers this morning. I was talking about this morning in the newspapers. The boom is back. 
So for some people, they don't give a damn about things like the boom is back. Their life will never, ever experience the boom that's back and never did in the past because of what they've been asked to do and the weight they've been asked to carry on their own. Uh, Claude is standing by. I want to have a quick chat with Natasha. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thank you. And listening to Dervla, um, you were uh, prompted to text because you noticed a lot of similarities. You said goosebumps listening to Dervla's story. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I'm, I'm so emotional after listening to her. Sorry, you for getting upset. I know, me. I know, I know. I hope you got some strength from her story, though, and her story of Paul. You know, oh, to know 100%. that you're... 100%. Like, she... You know what? Now, she spoke so well, and I just want to say, like... It takes guts to go on the radio um, and speak about something like that because it's so personal. It is personal. You know, yeah. it it's is a very like, personal account. Yeah, it is, and I take my hat off to her. She's a very good mum, and um, but I'm I was just laughing at one of her things she said about Paul was with the Tommy Tippy bottle that all he drinks from is that because my son is the same. He literally will not drink from a cup or anything. It's the, the blue Tommy Tippy bottle. Um, and she bought she bought from. loads of them in advance of perhaps them changing because if they were to change a colour or design to it or anything, oh um, they'd know like they like, would certainly like know. wouldn't drink yeah. from Italy yeah because um, they're just so particular yeah she she mentioned you know she was talking about other aspects of, of the routine of his life that you might be able to relate to you know eating where you know she, there has to be the same song played over and over again. Um, you know, there's to be total darkness. I think there was one part of it that possibly didn't mention it, and that he watches the same cartoon over and over, Peppa Pig at Christmas. So he has all of these routines and rituals, you know. Yeah, yeah. My um, my son is is four in February, Alfie, and he was diagnosed last year with autism. Um, but yeah, like I can relate so much to Dervla with Paul. Like everything is so repetitive, and um, you know it's all routine based. And like I feel for her because, like you, like you have to plan every everything you do. Me, like I can't just go to a shop with Alfie. You know what I mean? It's not. It's something another parent would find something small, but that's something big for. There me. are no spontaneous things that you can do on the spur of the moment. You can't oh, grab no, your like. coat and decide to head off out with that. Can I just say, that is the most beautiful name for a boy, Alfie. It's a gorgeous name. <laughs> it's lovely. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like you just have to, like you have to prepare every single thing you do. And like Dervla does with Paul, like I have to do the pictures. They're called pecs with Alfie, like to show him where we're going to go next. Like, you know, this morning you know, I had to show him first we're going on the bus and then we're going to school. Like, you literally have to prepare him so much because he gets so anxious and it's just, like, the meltdowns and everything. It's just so, so hard. Like, even, you know, to go places with friends and things, I can't because it's not, it's actually just not worth this because yeah. Alfie gets so upset and it's so, so difficult for him, any bit of transition like that. So anything that you might have planned in advance that needs to be done has to be changed, suspended or given up on? Yeah, like it just can't, like, or even if I go to do something like that, I, I might have to leave again after five minutes. And it's, you know, it's hard for me as well. Like, I understand it's so, so hard for Alfie, but as a parent, like, it's just, you know, you, you just feel helpless sometimes because you just don't know. You know, even though you know him more than anyone, but you just don't know what to do for as far as them. And, like, the lack of services in this country is an absolute disgrace and the government should actually be ashamed of their lives over it because 
every single thing a, a parent with a child with special needs has to do is a fight. Fight, yeah. You have to fight for everything. And like it's constant fear of like when they're you know, when they're older and stuff. You just be afraid, like you want the best of them, obviously. And look, I am very grateful and I'm lucky because Alfie is in a special school at the moment. He has two years there. So I know he's safe there for two years. But like Neil, then then there's the worry when he turns five, he has nowhere to go. I like where am I gonna have Alfie for primary school and stuff like that? Mm. It's a constant worry. Mm. And like as Dervla said, with therapies, early intervention, what's that? There mm. there is no early intervention. Alfie was diagnosed when he was three. I brought him to the HSE when he was 19 months because I I suspected autism myself. Like, mm. I knew deep down it was autism, but I had to go through the HSE route. And he only got diagnosed last year. Everything has to be paid privately. You don't get anything through the HSE or through the, the public services. You have to physically take money out of your pocket. Like, the, the money that I'm after spending on therapies alone, like, is... It's an absolute disgrace. Like it's a gaping wound in our society, really. That that they seem to oh, not want to fix, to repair, or to heal. Knowing, I suppose, no. to some extent that um, you know families are in isolation and are powerless on their exactly. own. Exactly, you know? and like you know, it is what you were saying earlier to Jervla. It's like it can be very, very lonely and isolating because, as I said, like you can't just go and do things that another parent can do with their child. So, like, it's hard enough, like, being at home, you know, in your own space all the time because you can't go, you can't just go to this part, this place, like, swimming or something like that. Yeah. Out of nowhere. You have to prepare everything. Yeah. And then when you're trying to get all these therapies and stuff, it's like you have to pay for them. It's the only way you'll get them. So, so sad, you said, to have to watch our kids having to suffer in this day and age. Da- they find daily life hard enough to struggle on minor things. Uh, I just suppose to a large extent the worry is when he's five, when Alfie is five, what is the next stage in his life going to be like? And he'll be a bigger boy, he'll be a stronger boy. What will he probably, you know... Exactly. You know, he, he, and like, Neil, I'm so grateful that he's in a special school now because I cannot fault them. They're amazing, the work that, that the staff do um, down there for Alfie. But, like, as I said, it's still a constant worry. Like, when Alfie turns five or six or whatever age, he'll be going to primary school. I don't have a place for Alfie. And, like, you're emailing schools and they're telling you, oh, there's a waiting list. Yeah. You'll be put on a waiting list. Like, your whole That's life a bizarre is a story list. of somewhere that they just literally put all the names in a hat or into I a mongers. That. No, I believe it because I've rang multiple primary schools in Cork to put Alfie's name down and I couldn't put his name down. But you're not saying primary school in a tr- the traditional sense of a primary classroom, so you're not? No, I mean, sorry, like um, an ASD unit. Yes, yes. Um, Which should be there automatically for all children who have equal rights in Irish society as somebody that's going into mainstream primary. 100%. And there should be an ASD unit in every school. There should be more SNAs. Like, like no one from Tusla would call and, yeah, more SNAs. But no one from Tusla would call and no one from the Department of Education would pick up the phone or knock on your door if Alfie doesn't go to school. Oh, no. They but wouldn't, for right? traditional and school learning, they would. Yeah, and like that's what would make you, make you so frustrated. And like, as Dervla's mom said as well, like, I would actually love if a TD, I don't know if they still do it because of COVID, but I would love if a TD knocked on my front door. 
because what I wouldn't say to them, and I'm not blaming them, but just in general, there's absolutely no help for a parent with a child with special needs to get the services that they need. Okay. And it's, it's absolutely a disgrace. Do you and mind? It's so heartbreaking. I know, and I, I don't mean, I don't want to feel as if I'm cutting you short. But do you mind if I talk with other parents as well as yourself, Natasha? Oh yeah, no problem. Okay, thank you so much for your call. All right, do stay no in touch worries, if you feel, if you feel like to. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Katrina's standing by. Clodagh as well. But can I chat with Kathy actually? Because Kathy's a grandmother. Her daughter has two has two kids. I yeah. think uh, she's on line Hello. three. Hello. Morning, Hello. Kathy. How are you? How are you? Yeah, I just, it's very emotional here in Devlin because I'm very good friends with Devlin and the family. Yeah. And um, my daughter, she works in the SNA in the school and she has two, two artistic boys, four and three. And uh, she found the same fighting and fighting and fighting. They don't have sleep at night because they don't sleep all night, you know? And uh, it is very like. I know. And it's awfully sad as well for a mother to be looking on at her daughter in these circumstances, you know, with the trials and tribulations and the stresses of it all. You as you must feel very helpless. Yeah, I do because she only works two days a week now, but she can't do the five. Her husband is fantastic as well, like and she told the children. You know, they're all very good, but they wouldn't be severe as Devla, but they'd be nonverbal. And um it's hard going, like one of them is just diagnosed now as as COVID. The youngest fella. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I just said, like, and you try and help out as best you can. I do. I, well, me and the other grandmother, we do two days each, you know, they mind from school. Like, when they, we, Catherine only works two days a week. Yeah. But she had to come back and she couldn't keep going. They really couldn't, like. And her husband then is working full time. It's 24 like, 7 care, of course, as a parent. 24 7, and that's no words of a lie. It's on, and they're fighting. She fought. She had to go private. She, they were, she knew herself when they were younger. And it's unbelievable. Un- they, f- they had to go to private because people don't have the money, really. And like they had to. And when you when you say going private, putting your money, your hand in your own pocket to spend money for for what? Yeah. For diagnosis, for for treatment, uh, for her- for therapy, for therapy, and for diagnosis as well. They had to. Yeah, they had to go private, and for both of those children, it's unbelievable. They're fighting all their life, and there's days I say they just sit down and cry. But so that's not a health service. It's bad enough for the million no, people no. on a waiting list and a hundred thousand of them are children. Not to mention oh. the people who need the most care have to pay it for their own children. Yeah. It's absolutely dreadful. And I mean that. What is taxation for, you know? Oh, I had a special needs sister there. She just died 7th of December, 62. She died sudden. She was cared for at home, right? You know? All her life. All her life, was it? All her life. And, you know, and... Um, this is desperate, like, it's to actually make you so sad, Neil. And what was your sister's life like? She, she had a good, happy life. You know, she was really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, what is going to happen with the society? Oh, my God. I know they'd be on CDs and everything, but Jesus, you know, I think to actually make a sad when I hear some blood, I mean, this, it's terrible, like, they have two artistic bikes. They go to the artistic units in from all the presentations. They're fantastic. Mm. She takes some horse riding. You, you pay for that. Mm. Uh, you do what you could yourself out of your own pocket. That's the best you can only do. And there's that. always the worry as they grow and as parents get older. Um, or indeed, the, I know the parents worry about what if I have an accident? What if I'm incapacitated? Know. You know, What if I die? Who will mind my child? That's just it. You can't. I mean, 
I don't know. It's just wicked. It would actually make and Deborah's story was fantastic, and I'm very, I'm very friendly with the family. You know, Katharina would come down to, or go down to Devlin now, and she called the Tesla. You know, know. Yeah. like, and they have a great group here in the parish now. It's special needs group, and they meet in the. It's Lanthia just, oh, I know, it's just overwhelming for them. They have oh, all sorts of I like that there's a total of two children in, and Deborah came up to that now last year with a little boy, you know? Yeah. And it was great and they kind of meeting up with the COVID, they had to slack them back a bit, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. And that's why families with children with autism or on the spectrum must have found the last couple of years very difficult because a lot of things were shut. They were. They couldn't go for the speech language. So, uh, but a lot of the routines that the little lads and the little girls had were all interrupted. It was all interrupted when they had no school, trying to learn from home and everything. And I mean, oh, it's so sad. And you're fantastic the way you spoke to Deborah. Not at all. all. Right. This morning. And I just had to air that with your name. Thanks, Cathy, right? for picking up the phone. Check care yourself. Me. Cheers. Hello. Bye. Back Bye. after the break. Bye. Text 0868 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. I get, I get the sense that one of the only things that might happen is that you might get a diagnosis of a son or a daughter with um, autistic tendencies or on the spectrum, and you might get it through the HSE uh, if you're lucky. But that's it then. Then you're on your own. Then the isolation and the loneliness starts after that. You could be unlucky enough to have to get the diagnosis yourself and pay for it privately. But I know that there was a study done because um, I was just researching ahead of my chat with Dervla. And the study um, is pre-COVID. So you imagine what it's like now in 2022 if you look at the way it was, say, in 2019, where they said, and this is just, I mean, these are the facts, like that the majority of children and adolescents in Ireland with an autism spectrum disorder did not receive the service they needed. And this is the new research that says 74% did not receive services over the past previous 12 months, according to the survey. And they surveyed many hundreds of, of families. And it found that over one third of families were in debt because of the cost arising from their child's condition, having to spend so much money. Um, one family that was surveyed was €150,000 in the red, paying for services. Don't know whether it was for a son or daughter, but that was the number. Uh, their bank balance had in red minus 150,000 is what they owed. And you imagine the kind of pressure, the immense pressure that it puts on a, on a family. Not just debt, but debt plus worry. Um, so it really is, it, it's all very well to say, oh yeah, but why not protest more? Why not march on the door? Of course, that should happen. And every parent with a child on the spectrum should be outside the gates of Leinster House uh, with banners placating and refusing to move. But they probably wouldn't have time to be able to do it in the first place. Clodagh, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? Uh, it's devastating the more you drill into it, actually, in a country that's supposed to be, um, you know, a booming and, and flying and all of this money that was available through COVID, for instance, that they managed to magically come up with, you know, for PUP yeah. payments and uh, and EWSS grants. Anyway, tell us your own story. Um, my boy, he's five. Um, just listening to Dervla there now earlier on, um, same I just age. Had to get in contact yeah. because I just found her story was so like mine and my boy is five, his name is Shay. Um he's actually nearly six, but like I kinda knew that there was something wrong with Shay when even when he was a baby. Um he had like he wasn't reaching his milestones and stuff like that. Yeah, markers. And yeah. Yeah. he I actually like Dervla had a traumatic birth as well. So um 
his head was kind of like on the larger scale after birth. So we were going to appointments anyway over that. And then when he wasn't reaching his milestones, we were going to further appointments and we kind of just said, look, we like I suppose that I just kind of realised, okay, does he have autism? So when we were put on a waiting list for the assessment needs and stuff like that, um, it was taking ages. I mean, like, he wasn't walking, he wasn't crawling. Like, we were just on a waiting list and, like, I was devastated. So, like, I had gone on to TDs and stuff and... I'd got on to Donica O'Leary, his um, receptionist, Karen. She was very helpful. Um, I was kind of lucky, I suppose. He was nearly three, and we got into the Brothers of Charity, and he was diagnosed with ASD. Now, because he was that young, they couldn't give, like, you know, um, like how severe he was. They couldn't put that on paper, so they just said he will have another assessment before he goes to primary school. So I was like, okay, but sure, the years are after flying by, yeah, and... Yeah. Um, I was very lucky to get him into school in Carrigaline. He got two years there. Now he's on his second year and the months are just going to fly. I don't know where he's going to go in September. Um, one school did get on to me in October. They were looking for like um, an up-to-date report because his last report was from when... And you must have felt very optimistic about that, did you? Um... I was, yeah, I am. I like, I still have a small bit of hope, um, because everything from like, uh, like October on, I've been kind of been getting things together because the brothers of charity rang me and were like, we want to assess Shay again, and I was kind of like shocked because I have he hasn't been receiving anything the last few years, and due to COVID as well, it's mm. just been, you know. So, so you don't uh, know for definite if there's a placement no, for twenty twenty. I spoke to the principal and everything. I'm practically stalking him. I'm like, the report is coming. The report is coming. He's like, yeah, no problem. Okay. Um, so listening to listening to Darvla, incidentally, she did say, and I'm quoting here: Paul was born in 2017, very traumatic delivery, which resulted in Paul requiring forceps, resulting in a large swollen bump in his little head. Uh, while I was in, still in the maternity world, the medical team took him from me for a day or two after his birth to check out the swelling. Uh, which had enlarged. Uh, we were concerned. The swelling didn't subside for months, so much so that when he fell asleep, he always slept on the side without the bump. Visually, the swelling on his head was very evident when he was an infant before his hair started to grow. Months later, we were still extremely concerned, and that's when she was referred to a medical team in the CUH, and he was taken to Temple Street Hospital, where they were told he was fine. Uh, now, clearly, as the years went by, they found out that he wasn't. Are, are, are you saying that is this connected with a traumatic birth, do you think? Um, well, I like Dervla now, I couldn't give a definite okay. answer, but okay. to be honest, um, he actually was under a paediatrician in the Mercy and now he's under a neurologist. Yeah. Now, like that, with COVID, we haven't got an appointment in about 18 months. So, so you can't MRIs. say, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. Like, we're, like, they're still investigating. Like, I'm still waiting to get another MRI done. He's had C- CT scans. Um, he was in Temple Street during the summer for bloods and stuff like that. But it's the, back. Okay, but it's the same chance as every other child, or, or at least a shot at life is what you want, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah, I know. And does he have any of the similarities with regards to Paul in his day-to-day um, living? Yeah, like I mean, like Shay is totally non-verbal. Um, his latest diagnosis now, which I only got last week, is severe. Now I knew that that was coming, but um, severe learning disability, um like he's taught, he just doesn't understand anything, which like, like I'm devastated over oh. that because mm. he's such a good child, you know, he's just like, he doesn't even cry. He's just so, so good and lovable. But, um, and how is he at home? How, how does he pass his day? Or um, 
when he's at he home. Just, he doesn't stop, even though he's the most like he, he's he's like a mouse. Like he doesn't cry. He's so lovable, but he just does not stop me. I mean, like he's up and down the stairs. He's just the biggest sensory seeker ever, and that's like the biggest problem with Shane. Now I know, like I'd love for him to be talking. What is that? Like a that. sensory seeker? Oh, like he he's biting on the banister. He's biting on the couch. He's biting on the edge of the worktop in the kitchen. Like he just needs to feel something in his mouth all the time. That's chewing. Would that be like? Um, oh, chewing. Yeah. yeah, like it's all like like most of it is oral sensory. But now his new thing is playing with hair. So he's like, like like my sweeping brush. He will grab a big ball of hair off the sweeping brush and sit there for like an hour playing with it. But your fear or is if he's if he's out in the garden in the summer or you're sitting there, he'd be eating the grass and the mud. Oh, like last year he was. Now he hasn't. He loves being outside. Like this is like he just he's obsessed with being outside. So that's his happy time. You know, he hates being cooped up. Mm. So when he like last year was kind of hard because of, like this time last year he had no school. We're all in lockdown, so he was like eating grass and like. Oh, you know, even the muck and stuff like that. And now this year, I have to say, he's kind of not eating grass as much, thank God, but his new thing is pulling hair. And I have a little girl who's three. Oh, and he, yeah. he doesn't realise that he's hurting her. He just wants to play with hair in his hand. He just needs something in his hand. So, well, like, unfortunately, he is hurting her, of course. He yeah. is, yeah. I mean, she even had ball patches and everything. I have hair bands on her, like her hair's in a big bun. I'm like, she she was wearing hats and everything at one point. Now that's kind she of She younger? Yeah, she's three. Yeah. yeah, the poor thing. Yeah, she, yeah, a clue. she wouldn't have a clue what's going on. You see why that's No, happening. she doesn't. And like, it's just like she knows, like she's so young, but she just knows like, oh, she's going to pull my hair, you know, and she puts a hat on or something like that. Like, it's, like you just have to laugh. Because it's heartbreaking for a mother to know that. It is, it is. And you know what? I have another girl as well and she's 10 and it's just so hard to have two girls who are non-ASC and like, you know, every day is just, all for Shay, you know what I mean? Like everything is just, you know, it's changed over Shay. And, is and the whole layout of the home has to be changed to protect him as well. Oh yeah, like I had a full length mirror and he smashed it. Now not like with temper or anything, but he loves to bang on things and, you know, and he smashed it and I don't know why I went away and got another one because he smashed that too. So I can't have anything no like glass. that around. Yeah, no glass. And like he's pulling the blinds off the actual pole Um he just like he just doesn't know what he's even doing that kind of way. He just wants to play with stuff in his hand all the time, or be banging, or pulling, or. And how are you chewing. coping? Do you, do you get any time out or respite, or are you exhausted all the time? Well, it's very hard. I mean, like me and his dad juggle, so like that's that's kind of you know makes it a bit a bit easier, you know. Um, mm. But you know his school, you know he goes to school, which I'm lucky. And any holidays? No, <laughs> no holidays. No, I I couldn't even think of it now, Neil. To be honest, when he was younger, yeah, like I went to America when he was a baby, yeah. with him and his older sister and stuff like that. But so not only is he yeah. hitting his markers, but you as a family, you as an individual, you and as a couple, yeah. you're not hitting any of your markers either. The things no, that others take is. for granted, like a date night, going out for dinner, getting a babysitter. Yeah, or even like going to my friend's house with the kids, a kids' day out. I can't do that at all. I can't unless I took the girls and I often have to separate Shay from the girls and their dad will take Shay and I'll take the girls or vice versa and I, I hate that. I hate separating them. I want the three of them to come with me. I know. So five different schools now you're down for. Four, sorry, four, four special schools. Four, yeah. And just hoping that one of them will do right by you. One got in contact at the end of October. Um, so I'm just so hopeful for that place because I haven't heard back from the other three. So that's your lifeline, the chance of it is. that one. It is. 
yeah, and I'm practically stalking the principal. I'm like, the report is coming, but the report did come last week, and I went straight out to the school with the report, but the principal was actually off for the week. So I haven't heard anything now and I'm just checking my emails every day. And you're I conscious that you don't want to be too over the top as well for fear yeah, that I know yeah. what you're saying. It's a kind of a delicate balance you want to get right, isn't it? Yeah, like the receptionist told me that there's only three spaces for 2022 so I don't know how many applications are actually How many do you like, think are there for three places? Oh, God, I don't, I really don't know. How do they pick one child over another? Yeah, like his report, now I have to say I was obviously devastated with his report. I knew what was coming, but she did, the psychologist did state that um, no home tuition, um, no ASD unit has to be a special school. I know, I know, but with three places, I'm sure, uh, look, Mm, fingers crossed, hope for the best, but what I mean, if, what he's if, on the list now two years. But if, he, if it doesn't happen, say, for September, is he just at home then? Yeah, just at home. And they're going to say home tuition. And I, don't, I just don't know how that's even possible for a child like Shay. He doesn't even sit at the table in school. He's just always on the go. So forget the home tuition. Just have more units and employ more special yeah. needs assistants. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, listen, fingers crossed for um, that, that one special school. That would be for I September. Know, so you, you could, you hearing, I don't know, when would you hear? Would it be during the summer? I wouldn't be the last I minute. I actually asked the receptionist and she said, oh, I couldn't tell you that. So I really don't know. Is it in the next few weeks? I really don't know. And this, like, this school is actually for kids. Um, and teenagers up to 18. So, like, this would actually be the best thing to happen I today. I know, I know. You know? Fingers crossed. I know. All right, listen, mind yourself. Thanks so much for taking the call. Take care, Clodagh. All right. Um, Pat Buckley TD is listening to this and we'll be bringing it up on the floor of the doll. I don't know what effect or result that may have, uh, but I imagine certainly questions will be answered, whether there'll be the answers that people want or not. I don't know. But we're endeavouring to do that. And actually, not, not endeavouring. He will do it. He's done it in the past for us. Jacinta, good morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, you don't have a radio on there, do you, Jacinta? Yeah. Just turn it down there and we can have a little chat then because otherwise it feeds yeah. back on me. You're you're on your own, um, I believe, full-time carer to your five-year-old daughter. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, just so similar to all, all the other stories at Servla. There, it's just such you know, similarities yeah. and it's coming across that we're all kind of in the same boat yeah. and just all finding it so difficult and having to fight for everything and just getting on waiting lists for waiting lists. If you judge a society by how they treat the most vulnerable, it's just horrific. You say it's a disgusting shame upon Ireland. Yeah, it's it's just horrific. That a young mother like you would have to beg, borrow, struggle, fight and get into debt for the needs of your daughter. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. Like, I mean, no disrespect to anyone that is working the services and and things like that. And it's not down to them. It is down to the government not supporting or following through on what is their right to education and the support. I get the impression from a lot of parents. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows that intervention, early intervention is so important and they just don't, it just doesn't exist. I get the impression from many of the conversations I have over the years and even again this morning that to some extent those in authority um, are, are hoping to a large extent that that parents will just um, get worn out and, and stop asking and, and, and stop 
begging and stop requesting and, and just go away. That that's what they that's what they seem to want to do. You know, they they just want. It's, it's heartbreaking for for Derva's case that she has to go to the media and she has to. She has to shine a light on it uh, for her son to get him the help that he needs. Yeah. Because otherwise, they just want you to give up and go away. And you've got so much going on that you can't be out protesting. You can't. That, and that's that's just it. It's not as if you can all down tools all of a sudden and decide to get together and march on the doll. No, love to. But can't can't do it, you know. It's just not possible. And w- w- where are we then with, say, for regards to COPE? Or, or does the umbrella of Enable Ireland, um, is that different forms of disability? Or would it, would it also encompass the spectrum they of autism? They changed it. They, they changed it last March. Uh, they changed the services and they put them all under Enable Ireland. And then while they were doing some changes and trying to get things all sorted and get the services up and running, then there was the hack, which was another setback. Mm. So between COVID and the hack, there's been absolutely nothing for over two years. And how old is your daughter? She's five. Okay. Um and does she have any placement now at the moment, pre-primary no, school? She's in normal primary school. There is no unit. No unit. How is she coping there? Uh, with difficulty, but it's early days. And, but it just means a lot more uh, stress and uh, trying to, to manage and do the best you can, really. Does she look forward to it? I mean, can you tell if she's looking forward to it? And has she come, has she come, has she come on? Um, it's it's just very difficult. It's just very difficult. You can't, it's not ideal, but yeah. it's the only option. And to to get more supports outside of school, extra supports, you know, um, and do it yourself, really DIY. Yes, and as a worry, as a single parent, of course, you're her sole carer. She's 100% your responsibility. Were anything to happen to you, you worry about that as well, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. There is no fallback. Yeah. yeah. Waiting list after waiting list, probably. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you, Jacinta. Thanks for taking the call. You're just one of many this morning, of that you can be sure. Katrina's standing by. First up, Susan, good morning. Uh, not there. Just taking you off. There, there you are. Can you hear me now, Susan? <laughs> yeah, can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. You uh, just, just yeah, go ahead, because I, I think you, you wanted to, perhaps in some way, shape or form, get in touch with Darvlo, was it? Yeah, I just sent a text message because, you know, it's just a very lonely place, but subsequently yeah. having heard her mother and some of the other um, mothers on as well. I You're a few years ahead of them, network. you see. Yeah, yeah. I'm a few years ahead, exactly. So, like a lot of the children mentioned here this morning, and it's four, and five, going on six. And Shay, yeah, yeah, they're all of that age group. So, Bobby is eleven. Um, he's nonverbal as well. He's in school. Um, he's in primary school, and we don't know what's going to happen for secondary school. But last year, we did a group of parents. They didn't have school places, leaving. Um, primary school, going into secondary school and a lot of the work and a lot of the media attention from that um, resulted in the, the new school in Carrigaline. So mm. there's like a new um, <clears throat> it's a new unit gone down there which caters for children ages 4 to 
18, I think. Um, but we're, we're still two years off here, personally, looking for a secondary school. And we'll have to go through the same battles and the same, you know, um, going on to wait lists and hoping that we get a place. And well, It's fine to have know. a new school, as you refer to in Carrigaline. But when it's full, it's full, yeah. you know. And if there are, you know, stories like there are three places and God knows how many applications, then the new Correct. school becomes defunct to everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Donico O'Leary was really, really good in, in supporting that initiative last year. He did raise it at the doll. So it needs to be raised again. It needs to not go away. Yeah. Um, it, it, it needs to be constantly raised. And how could you support somebody like, like Darvila? I mean, you know, the, 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 the ASD falls into different categories yeah. of, of, uh, of, of diagnosis. I mean, in the sense that Paul would be severe non-verbal autism. Is there a higher level than, than that, which would be probably profound, no. is it? No, or is that the... Um, no, so severe, I, I don't think profound is, is used as much anymore, not? but okay. they would be pretty much the same. Profound and severe would be pretty much the same. So, I mean, in terms of support, it's, it's really, you know, listening to somebody, answering their questions, um, perhaps because I'm, uh, you know, ahead of the ahead of the curve by about six years you know I can relate to a lot of the, the stories that it wasn't as bad that. six years ago is it? Uh, oh no the, everything was as bad but in terms of the progress that my child has made from being in a special school has been instrumental to his development I mean if I look at Shane and Paul and, and all the little children mentioned this morning like a lot of their traits would have been like Bobby yeah. before he went to school yeah. and since he went to school like not immediately it was like the lights were turned on I mean, for our children, home tuition is a complete cop-out from the government. Um, you know, it's just not fit for... Fit it for doesn't bring the child on. It doesn't, you say. Absolutely yeah, not. And yeah. I mean, it's in isolation as well. So no child it's, thrives in isolation. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. they need... Is it more like... The, no disrespect to those that do it, but it, I think somebody this morning described it as like a baby mind service. Well, it can be if it, the child, you know, is, is severe. They, you know, they need the specialist services of a multidisciplinary team, which you'll get in a special... Highly team. professional um, skills, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, home tuition might be suitable for, um, you know, an autistic child with a different um, intellectual yeah. ability or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's, it's once, you know, this one thing fits all, it's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So I just do think, you know, um, the school not only does it cater for our children it just helps them so much I mean it helps develop them I know but when I hear stories like these and so many of them and and the jury I mean listen people have opinions in overseas overseas aid and, and it's a point that I made to Michael Martin in the past and he said that he believes in overseas aid I think it's, a, it's just short of a billion euro a year that goes overseas yeah. Yeah. and I'm not yeah. saying that there aren't people that need it and deserve it and children but at the expense of our own at the expense of our own, exactly. I mean, if you take a complete uh, holistic view of of where we're spending our money, you know, it's it's really not being spent in, in this sector, you know, looking after our children. And, you know, I, I think the point is made as well along the way about uh, constitutional rights. And, you know, the if you have a neurotypical child and they're coming up to school age, you know, there's no question about it. They're guaranteed a school place. And not only are they guaranteed a school place, they're guaranteed a school place near to their home. That's right. You know, yeah. We're, we're on our knees. We'll, we'll take a place anywhere and yeah. that's adding the extra trauma of a child having to go um, on transport whatever that may be. Well, it's, it's that um, it and, would and appear travel. that from the point of view of the state that some children are more important than other children. 
Correct, correct, exactly. Okay. So okay. I guess I guess my point is really, um, you know, we're, we're hearing it over and over, early intervention, early intervention. Well, look, These children are going to become adults. We need to act now. Okay. And, and, you know, we won't be going away. And my voice will not go away. Okay. <laughs> so I'm here. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a few years ahead. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly, I am quite happy to support them. Okay, how can, how can, they, how can I put them in touch with you? You have my number, you, and if, if you want to give it to them privately, um, we can we can connect. Well, I certainly do that with Durville as well, because that was the initial reason that you texted that you wouldn't mind having Absolutely. a chat with her. Okay, Absolutely. all right, Susan. Absolutely. Okay, thanks so All right, thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Back after the break. Calling Red FM Studio. Call the new number oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. And share your own story. Email neil at redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. And I'll pick up on the emails and the texts in the morning. And I'll squeeze in as much as I can uh, this side of midday. Katrina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, uh, Brenda tells me that you are raging, which means, in other words, that you are very angry. Why? I am. My, well, my son is... Are you angry for yourself or for everybody who's going through this? Everybody including myself who's going through this. My son is 12 years old. He's not on the autistic spectrum, but like all these other parents, I'm having a a huge difficulty trying to get him a place for next year for secondary school. Well, if you're having a difficult time, imagine how much more difficult it is for somebody with a son or daughter, severe nonverbal autism. My my son has is nonverbal. He has severe uh, disabilities. He's in a wheelchair. He can't walk. Yeah. He's nonverbal. He's peg fed. He has epilepsy. He has a lot of other issues. Um, he has severe high needs. He needs one on one personal care for everything. Yeah. He is he can move his hands, but he can't use his hands because with his disability, he's a lot of involuntary movement in his hands and stuff. And with epilepsy and stuff like this, this all is a knock-on effect, but he's a very happy child and a very healthy child, but I just, I'm having such a difficulty trying to get a place for him. I live down in Bantry in West Cork, and I have tried with all four secondary schools within a half an hour radius that have a multiple disciplinary um, class in their school, and uh, three of them have got back to me saying that two, he's number one, he's on a waiting, on third on a waiting list because they've only one place and in other school they've only one place and he's, he's first on the waiting list the one here our local one in Bantry said there's no hope he's not even on a waiting list for, for there they, there's not a hope there'll be a place for him for next and did year. he come through the primary school system he's, he's in primary school at yeah. the moment he's actually repeating his final year there um, and they've been absolutely fantastic and how did he how did he get on through all of absolutely the different classes. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He loves it here. He loves being around other kids and stuff. He loves being involved. And uh, they're absolutely fantastic there. And it's a special needs unit in the mainstream school. There is and, no his, and his, and his learning was good and everything? I can't say his learning was good because mm. he can't um, give us feedback on what exactly he's learning, but he understands everything that's going on around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was were you saying that in some circumstances, a child like your son would stay on in primary school till 18. They have done in the past, but the rules were changed. The rules were changed, I think, back in 2018, where they can stay on in the school now for more than eight years. And, it's, and I sent you on copies of the Education Act. But that must have been very difficult in itself to have an 18-year-old son or daughter with special yes, requirements yes, in sixth class yes, primary. But at least they had a school placement. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? 
at least there was a place available for them till they turned to, into an adult and then they went on to adult service. But uh, the way things are at the moment, no, they changed all the rules and they didn't put the structures in place. So if that doesn't work out, then we're back to this um, this promise of home tuition. It's, uh, okay. Yes, and my son is going to regret big time if he has to stay at home. And what, how, how much home tuition would there be? I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't even looked at those. But that is it, is it daily? Is it X amount of hours a week? Is it? How does I it work? Think so it's something like that. That's something I'll have to look into. But I've only just recently moved out, so I haven't had time. But to have do they created home tuition as a cop out for what really is needed? I think so. I think so. They're just hoping that we'll, we'll, like you said, go away and shut up and get tired of fighting and fighting. But it's fighting for everything in every aspect of their life, trying to make sure that they're included and everything. And I sent you a copy of the Education Act 1998 that states that our child has as much entitlement as every other child without a disability in this country, but they're being ignored and they're being discriminated against. Yeah, there's power in numbers, though. I mean, is, is it possible at all to harness all of this power and all of this passion from families um, to make a, a difference, you know, with, with numbers? Exactly, exactly. And the likes of yourself having us on here, being able to talk about it is a great help. And I really, really thank you, Neil, for doing it. So somebody, hopefully it'll be Pat, you know, Pat Buckley, will be standing on the floor of the doll quoting the Constitution like you are, you know? Yeah. See, yeah. this is unconstitutional. Like we talk exactly, about, yeah. we talk about constitutional changes and referendums that were needed for all sorts of different things. You know, we did like, you know, we had referendums on a, on right to life. We had referendums on on gay marriage. We, we like that was needed to change the constitution. But yet, there's exactly. something on the constitution that's being ignored. Exactly. Exactly. Our children are being ignored and they're hoping that we're so busy looking after and making sure our children are that you get tired, what yeah. they need on a daily basis that we'll just go away and shut up. But or get, in, or get into debt, providing what's yes. desperately needed yourself. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's it. Okay, all right. Okay, Katrina, thank you so much. Undoubtedly, there'll be more texts on this, calls and emails, which I promise to pick up on in the morning. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 I suppose to some extent it's uh, another division in society because there are so many, 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 many families in this country that do not have a son or a daughter with an ASD uh, diagnosis, the uh, uh, autistic spectrum syndrome uh, disorder. Um, so therefore, it, it's inconsequential to, the, to families. that they don't, they don't have any perhaps interest in it. And it's a case of trying to make people more interested in as a society, not just the families uh, of the children. Heartbreaking listening to Dervla articulated her story uh, so well. It's such a sad indictment of our country when our most vulnerable are being left down day in, day out. Shame on the government and policymakers. Perhaps also that's why I'm hearing more and more people are saying, I'm not going to vote the traditional parties anymore. I'm going to give my vote to Sinn Féin next time round. I can't say with any amount of certainty that it will make a blind bit of difference. But many people say to me, well, at least it's a chance worth taking. Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork. Weekdays 9 to 12. Cork's Red FM.